All right. Shalom, Brother P. Shalom. Good morning. Or good evening, depending on where you are. Hi, Jesse. Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. Hi, Gabriella. Hi. Hey, Angela. Good to see you. Hi, Dale. Shabbat Shalom. Hey, hey Mariel. Good to see you. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. I heard that. Shabbat shalom. Yeah. Hi, Dave. <laughs> hi. Hi, Steve. Hey. Good you to got see you. Great, you got a great sound going on there, my friend. Oh, yeah, it's these earbuds. <laughs> oh, is that it? Oh, okay. Yeah. It must be. I don't know. I couldn't get anything to work this morning. Hey, hi, all to say. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Hey, hi, Dan. Hi, Jennifer. Good to see you. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Let's see. I know Shabbat shalom. Hi, Lori. Hey, Joy. Good to see you. Hi, Murray. Shabbat shalom. Great presentation Thursday night, Doc. Oh, hey, thank you. Thank you much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Shabbat shalom. But not Hi, the, uh, hey. how do I say? Yeah, it was uh, yeah, Thursday night was, uh, actually two weeks of effort went into that one. If you want to, know the group, it, was, uh, what? it was fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, it was really excellent. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've got uh, I've got one more week of hard work before we take off, you know, so I'm going to try to get a, a, a good presentation going for next Thursday. We'll see how it works. You know, because sometimes the sometimes the topic is too large for me to do. You know what I mean? Shalom. Shalom. Hi. Yes. Hey Shane, there you are. For you. Thank you. <laughs> I see, are you having a spot of tea there? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. There you go. There you go. Yeah, Dr. P. Yeah. Hi, Rena. Don't forget to get me that info. Uh, yes, I will have it. I'll have it for you. Um, uh, yeah, I will have it for you. I'll send it to you today. Okay. 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 All right. Let's see what we've got here. Just a minute. I'm, I'm still gathering our troops here. You know, we've had. Um, it's been a very interesting week, as you might imagine. It's an interesting week inside the community, too. Very interesting week. And of course, what we see now, we're going to talk a little bit about the Torah portion. Uh, today, of course, it's an extremely important Torah portion. And the as we talk about this portion, there is uh there are some things happening now that are happening worldwide. And you know, I was kind of shocked, like in the Thursday night message, I was talking about um I was talking about the fact that the flood. It's going to be swallowed up. Well, it never occurred to me that the, what the flood was going to be was a flood of lies, a flood of lies, right? And so as a consequence, now I'm looking to see, well, who's, who's swallowing up the flood of lies? Well, the big lie is, is that the world, the way it's being proposed by the World Economic Forum, they've told us this is not subject to debate. Right. This is what's going to be imposed upon you. You will own nothing and you will like it. And this is what's going to happen to you. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's what's going to happen. End of story. Well, we find out that's a gigantic lie. And we find out that that is a gigantic lie that is resulting in 
many, many people, many, many people are recognizing the truth. Now, the truth is gradually eking out, and it's going to eke out even uh, louder, uh, which is what's happening there in Ukraine, which is that Ukraine is completely losing that war, and that's what's happening. And in fact, both Russia and Belarus are about ready to take Kiev, and it could happen, like I say, I, I think I said about two weeks ago that they'd be just about ready to take Kiev. Well, the last defense of the Ukrainians is falling today. It's in a place called, well, the, the press says it's in Nikolaev, but if you read the Russian, it's in Nikolaev, Mikolaev. And um, Mikolaev is a place that is um, just north of, uh, well, what's called the Kyrgyzstan region. Anyway, it's it's one of the major cities, and it's a major defense for uh, Kiev. In fact, they put all of their defenses there. It's the center pin, if you will. And it's been completely surrounded now. And so it's not looking good. So the way it stands is that once Nikolaev falls, there is no defense of any meaningful posture to keep Russia from moving three of its armies, the north, the center, and the south, completely across Ukraine to do whatever they want. As a result, they know it. There's like a nonstop line of traffic from Kiev to the Poland border now as everybody's leaving town, right? Good time, Charlie included. And uh, so, you know, uh, so here we have this situation going on. And now, once this happens, then the, the truth of the world is going to come out. And the truth of the world is that we've had uh, uh, really a group of people who are not righteous people leading the world. And they've led the world into this condition we're in now, which is really horrific. And the Torah portion is going to speak to this today. It's going to speak to it very clearly um, about this kind of leadership, and what it leads to. And so, and but the Torah portion is also going to speak to Yah's people and what happens with Yah's people. And it becomes very, very, very important about what happens with Yah's people because we want to be those people. And it's going to be ironic because this is a passage that would never, ever, ever be read in the modern Christian church. Never. It would never, ever be read in the modern Christian church because in the modern Christian church, you're told that there is a new God. There's a new Torah. And the new God and the new Torah replaces the old God in the old Torah, that the God that was writing the Torah in the old section was a liar. He wasn't telling you the truth. New God that's telling you the truth. And the new God is telling you, do what thou wilt. You're free to do anything you want. And actually, if you want to know the truth of it, the concept of Christian liberty, that you have the freedom to do whatever you want, is a concept that came out of really kind of multiple sources, and it came out all at once. It came out from Martin Luther, who, by the way, repented of it before the end of his life. It came out from Sabati Tzvi, uh, who was the Kabbalist uh, named Ben Luria, who promoted the same issue, do what thou wilt. It came out from Scottish Rite Presbyterians, who insisted on the doctrine of Christian liberty, that it would be expressed in the Westminster Confession. 
But the Westminster Confession, the British Parliament did not adopt that tenet. They rejected it and said, you know, we're not going that far. We're going to leave that out. But the Scottish Presbyterian uh, concept was, first of all, pure democracy. That is to say, the church is to be run by presbyters and not by any particular pastor or teacher or episcopal or bishop, but rather it's supposed to be led by the elders of the church in a pure democracy. Now, this was the bent of our friend Oliver Cromwell. And at any rate, what we find is that this road that we have been led down, this road of lawlessness and iniquity, has brought us to the place where we are today, where you don't even have the leadership being even Christian in name only. I mean, the leadership is, I guess you would call Catholic in name only, you know, Sino. But, um, but they're not believers in any respect. And so this is why the Torah portion, this week's Torah portion, would never, ever, would it ever be read in a Christian church. Never. Never. They're never going to read this in a Christian church. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's pray here and then we'll, we'll begin. Okay. So Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We give thanks. Thank you for gathering us together for this Shabbat group. Father, we pray for those that are no longer in attendance for this Shabbat group that um, their hearts would heal and uh, that their eyes would open. And we pray, Father, that the spirit of unity would be among us and that your name would be lifted up, your name. Your name would be lifted up and nothing else. Your name would be lifted up. Mm-hmm. Guide us and teach us today, Hashem Yahushua. Amen, amen. So let me give you an idea why this would never be read, right? So we find this, okay? And it shall be when you are coming to the land in which Yahuwah Eloheka has given, it gives you for an inheritance and you possess it and you take it and you dwell therein. Then you shall take up the first fruit of all the fruit of the earth, which you shall bring out of your land that Yahweh Eloheka gives it. And you shall put in a basket and you shall go to a place which Yahweh Eloheka shall choose to place his name there. And you shall go into the priest that shall be in those days and say unto him, I profess this day unto Yahweh Eloheka that I am come unto the country which Yahweh swore seven oaths unto our fathers to give us. And the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of Yahweh Eloheka. And you shall speak and say before Yahweh Eloheka, an Arami. Ready to perish was my father, and he went down into Mitzrayim and sojourned there with a few. And there became a nation, great and mighty and populous. And the Mitzrayim evil entreated us and afflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. Now, it's interesting because when you read the book of Jubilees, the book of Jubilees tells you in chapter 50 that it is, it is, it is at the end of the 49th Jubilee, that is to say the first day of the first year of the 50th Jubilee, that the house of Yasharel crosses over the Yardan and crosses into the Holy Land. So in the first of the year, that's going to be the month of Aviv. Now the month of Aviv, they're not specifying here, but I can tell you that it took 10 days, Joshua tells us, 
It took 10 days for the whole of the house of Yasharel to cross the Yardan, which was a much bigger river then. And the Yardan was miraculously dried up and they had millions of people to cross over the river. And they did. And when they crossed over the river, they became this people group. Okay, so now we're 10 days into the month of Abib. So when he says, take your first fruits offering, well, the first fruits is discussed in this concept of reshib, ketzir, as it's called, in uh, and asif in, in uh, the passage there in Exodus. And when you see this ketzir, it is another indication that there is a first Shabbat upon which the tithes and offerings are to be made. There is a first Shabbat. Now, this first Shabbat is talked about by Paul. It's not talked about in the average English translation because the English translators converted it in order to pay obeisance to Rome and to acquiesce to the idea of Sunday worship. So they would say the first day of the week. But there are two references by Paul to the first Shabbat, and there is a reference in the gospel, I believe it's in Luke, of the second Shabbat. So there is a first Shabbat of the year. Now, this first Shabbat of the year is also the first Shabbat of the count that goes to Shavuot. That's why they call it the first Shabbat, because you shall count seven, beginning with the first, and you shall count seven. So it's the first Shabbat that leads to Shavuot, which is then called the first fruits. But first fruits really in Shavuot is the first fruits of the wheat harvest, of the wheat harvest. So what you see is that uh, this is very clear that we have this offering schedule that's being given on the first day. Now, Paul says, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 16 too, bring your offerings for the first Shabbat that I may be, that you may be in want of nothing by the time I arrive, right? And so this idea of taking, you know, they walked into a land that was prepared for them. In other words, they didn't have to go in there and plant the barley. The barley was already growing. They didn't have to go in there and plant the winter fruits. The winter fruits were already growing. They came in, this is what was told to them. You will come in and occupy houses you do not build and you will take vineyards you did not plant. That's what the scripture says. And this is exactly what happened when they conquered the Nephilim families inside the Holy Land. And they took up these crops and they were told to bring these directly to the priest. And when you got there, you shall profess, you shall say unto Yahweh Eloheka that I am come unto the country which Yahweh swore seven oaths under our fathers to give to us. And then this is what you, this is why you give the offering, because you're giving thanks for the place where Yahweh has placed you. And if ever there was something that we need to learn to do in our lives as a regular course of action is to give thanks for that which we have. Give thanks for what you have. Stop complaining about what you don't have and give thanks for what you do have. Very important part of life. And it, you know, so I was talking with my grandsons the other day. And I said, you know, you've heard 
that the glass is, is the glass half empty or is the glass half full? Uh, well, nice of the truth is it's both. If it is half empty, then it necessarily is half full, right? And so this is the kind of thing that we have to, we, we could say, we could complain, we don't have enough, we don't have this, we don't have that. But we do need to give thanks. And if we give thanks, we have the capability of walking through what comes before us. Now, when we talk about what, goes, what comes before us, okay? Now, it goes on here. Now, this is, this is from Devarim chapter 26. In verse 7, it says, When we cried unto El Yahweh Elohai of our fathers, Yahweh heard our voice and looked on our affliction and on our labor and on our oppression. And Yahweh brought us forth that amidst rain with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with a great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. And he has brought us into this place and given us this land, even a land that flows with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which you, O Yahweh, have given me. And you shall set it before Yahweh Eloheka and worship before Yahweh Eloheka. And you shall rejoice in every good thing which Yahweh Eloheka has given unto you and unto your house, you and the Levi and the stranger that is among you. So let us take the time because, you know, there's a lot of forecasting that's going on right now, saying that there is going to be a horrible, horrible winter coming ahead of us. It's going to be a terrible winter. It's going to be a winter of strife, chaos, ugliness, deprivation, so on and so forth. So let us take just a moment here for just a second in our own hearts and our own minds and contemplate where we are now. We look at how we live, the food we have in our fridge, the gas we have in our gas tank, the roof we have over our head, the friends and family we have among us. And let us give thanks in our hearts and in our minds and in our, in our souls. Let us give thanks to Yahweh that he has sworn seven oaths that he would give these things to his people. So in Russian, we used to have this song. Give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. And I must tell you, you know, I used to sing this with a pastor friend of mine in Russia. And I knew his family, and we spent many, many hours together working on building his church and building the congregation and spreading the Bible in the city of Kursk. And I didn't see him for seven years. And he finally came to the States. And when he came to the States, just several months before that, his oldest son, whose name was Pavel, had gone in for uh, sinus surgery. And he went in for sinus surgery at 26 years old and died on the operating table. And when he died on the operating table, you know, Yuri was devastated, as you might imagine. I mean, it was his firstborn son. He was devastated. He was completely wiped out. Didn't know what he was going to do. Didn't know if he could continue in his ministry. Nothing. But there we were, you know, in Linwood or Mill Creek, Washington. And he came to visit him. And I could, you know, I could inhabit his sadness, you know, with a little difficulty. 
We sat down and we talked for a while. And I said, Yuri, uh, we need to sing. And he has this huge Russian voice, you know. I said, Yuri, we need to sing. And he said, okay. And so he and I sang together in the Russian. We sang, give thanks, give thanks together. And, you know, such is the way of the world, right? That we give thanks even in the times of trouble. And he has since lost his youngest son. His youngest son was born disabled. And I visited them in 2016. And his youngest son was, I think, 13 at the time. Um, but he died, I think, when he was 15, 14, maybe a year later he died. And uh, so he lost his oldest and his youngest. But he has still a very robust family. And the boys are terrific, actually. And they're doing very well. But, uh, you know, so when we see uh, when we see this idea of giving thanks, we give thanks now. Let us give thanks in our heart to say this, these things. And we will look back in several months and we will give thanks again. You know, even if we're in the middle of the Malaglo Beanfield War, we will give thanks even again. Okay. All right. So. He says, when you have an end of the tithing, all the tithes of your increase in the third year. So there is another tithing in the third year, okay? This is which is given unto the levy, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. This is a different tithe. It's a three-year tithe that is going to the widow, the orphan, the priest, the stranger, that they may eat within your gates and be filled. So you might call it an offering to the food bank, if you will. Then you shall say before Yahweh Eloheka, I have brought away the hallowed things out of my house and have also given them to the Levian and to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. According to all your commandments, which you have commanded me, I have not transgressed your commandments, neither have I forgotten them. I have not eaten thereof in my morning, neither have I taken away aught thereof for any clean use, any unclean use nor given any thereof for the dead. Now, this becomes extremely important because in our offerings, when we give an offering of our praise, our worship, our prayer, our time, whatever it is that we're offering to Yah, it must be clean. It cannot be unclean. It must be without blemish. It cannot be unclean. And what this means is, is that you have not offered it in your morning. You haven't offered it for an unclean use. You haven't offered it for the dead. Okay? That's an extremely important point that your offering, whatever your offering is, needs to be without blemish. You see, this becomes very difficult for us in our lives because we are to make ourselves a living sacrifice unto Yahweh without blemish. And for us to do that means that we have to be without blemish when we make our offering to Yah. Not an easy place to be, right? Not an easy place to be. Fortunately, he forgives us and has mercy on us and sees us as completely clean in white linen, wrapped in the linen of Mashiach, right? Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people, Yasharel, and the land which you have given us. 
as you swore seven oaths unto our fathers, the land that flows with milk and honey. Now, come on, guys. I want to ask you something. Does anyone here believe that there was a river that was full of nothing but milk and honey running over the land? Right? This is a metaphor, right? It's metaphorical lang language saying it flows with milk and honey, that it is a land of plenty, right? A land of plenty. Okay. This day, Yahweh Elohika has commanded you to do these commandments. Here's a passage you'll never hear read, read in the Christian church. This part of the Bible, if you're in a Christian church, get out your, your little surgical knife there and cut this right out because it's never, ever going to be read. Or you can get out a black ink marker and black it out. This day, Yahweh Elohika has commanded you to do these commandments and these judgments. You shall therefore guard and do them with all your heart, with all your soul. You have avouched to Yahweh this day to be your Elohim, to walk in his ways, to guard his statutes, his commandments, and his judgments, and to hearken unto his voice. And Yahweh has vouched you this day to be his peculiar people. As he has promised you that you should guard all his commandments and to make you high above all nations, which he has made in praise and in name and in honor, that you may be a holy people under Yahweh Eloheka, as he has spoken. So when we talk about be holy, for I am holy, which is the command that Peter recites to us from Deborah, be holy, for I am holy. How do we become a holy people? Well, you walk in his ways. You guard his statutes. You guard his commandments. You guard his judgments. And you hearken unto his voice. Now, you might recall that in Jeremiah 7.21, it's written, you know, if you want to go out there and sacrifice a bull, go sacrifice a bull and eat the flesh. But I did not command you to do this when I took you out of Mitzrayim. And this is a very curious passage because when you read the 10 Devarim, you see that Yah doesn't say one word about sacrificing a bull. There's nothing about sacrificing a lamb, nothing about sacrificing a goat. There's nothing. There's not a single word in the 10 Deborim, which she spoke to them face to face. There's not one word about sacrificing a lamb. But he goes on to say, but I command you to obey my voice and I will be your Elohim and you will be my people. Now this is, so when we're talking about becoming set apart people, we become set apart people under the commandments of Yahweh, under the statutes of Yahweh, under the judgments of Yahweh. This is how we become his people. And if we're going to say, Yahweh, you are my Elohai, and I am your child, to be his child, you must guard and do the commandments and judgments with all your heart and with all your soul.
Now, a lot of this is people say, well, that means we have to do Moshe. No, the Torah is all of scripture. Paul says all of scripture is good for doctrine, knowledge, reproof. All of scripture is the Torah because it is the instruction. What you see in the Torah is you see many, many ideas. You see this idea of a precept. Then you see an example of following it and, ex and an example of not following it. And in fact, when you look at the history of the Old Testament, this calling out of the chosen people of Yasharel, who they end up getting divorced, right? They end up getting divorced. And with Mashiach and, and the sacrifice of Mashiach, the blood is let for all of mankind, not just for the chosen people. It's a very interesting circumstance. And you see this in the instruction of the Torah. I told you. What does he tell us? Well, look. chapter 27, and Moshe with the elders of Yasharal commanded the people saying, guard all the commandments, which I command you this day. And it shall be on the day when you pass over the Yardan into the land which Yahweh Eloheka gives you. That would be the first of Aviv, on the first day of the 50th Jubilee. That you shall set up great stones and plaster them with plaster, and you shall write upon them all the words of this Torah when you are passed over, that you may go into the land which Yahweh Elohim gives you, a land that flows with milk and honey. There shall it shall be when you've gone over the yard, and you shall set up these stones on Mount Eval, and you shall plaster them with plaster, and there you shall build an altar unto Yahweh Elohim. Now, this spot, Mount Eval, is now in the modern terms, the modern Palestinian city of Nablus. But the original town that was built there was, and the town they found there actually, was Shechem. Shechem. Now Shechem was uh, a very interesting place. A lot of stuff happened there, right? But this is the place where the first altar was established. This is the place where you find the tomb of Joseph. And this is the place where Yahweh Eloheka put his name, right? And you shall offer peace offerings and eat there and rejoice before Yahweh Eloheka. And you shall write upon the stones all the word of the Torah very plainly, right? And, and Moshe and the priests, the Leviim, spoke unto all Yasharels. Heed and hearken, O Yasharel. Shema, right? Shema Yasharel. This day, you are become the people of Yahweh Eloheka. You shall therefore obey the voice of Yahweh Eloheka and do his commandments and his statutes, which I command to you this day. Then there is, of course, the command to do the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the cursing on Mount Yebal. Now, let's look at this. I want to look at the blessing aspect of this today okay and the levim shall speak and say unto all the men of yashua with a loud voice okay no, wait, those are the curses okay hold on okay well let's do the blessing the blessing appears here in chapter 28 now this is the blessing that is promised for those 
who are walking in the way of Yahweh, keeping his commandments, guarding his commandments. This is the blessing that is promised to them. And it shall come to pass if you hearken diligently unto the voice of Yahweh Eloheka, to guard and do all of his commandments, which I command you this day. Now I want to ask you something. The Scottish Rite Presbyterians, they insisted on Christian liberty. They insisted on redacting the Bible from its original 79 books down to 66 books and cutting out books like 3 and 4 Ezra, cutting out books like the Wisdom of Solomon. And when they did these things, I'm going to ask you, did a blessing come upon Scotland after the 1500s? No. You had a Scottish king come to authority, King James I, Yamais, who was the Scottish king of James VI, but he came to the authority and, of course, was responsible for producing the 1611 KJV, which, of course, was 95% the 1560 Geneva, which was 98% the 1539 Coverdale. So if we talk about an original scripture, we talk about an original scripture that belongs to Yah. It is the Coverdale. Okay, now just hang on. Stay with me for just one second. Okay, here we go. Okay, guys, so this is... This is the Coverdale Bible. Now, this says here on it, the first English Bible. Now, this Bible was actually called the Great Bible. It's called the Great Bible. Book of Job. This Bible is the text that was used by all the subsequent interpreters. And in fact, Miles My Coverdale, who was responsible for this, Miles Coverdale, when he wrote this, uh, when or when he translated this, Yah's Yah's hand was upon him because. What happened is with Miles Coverdale is nothing. He wasn't burned at the stake. He wasn't trashed. He wasn't, he didn't have his bones pulled up or anything else. Instead, he made this book. And when he made this book, the British Parliament came out and said, well, we're gonna, we're gonna require that this great Bible, this Bible, the Coverdale, the great Bible that this Bible is going to be required to be in every church in the kingdom. Required to be in every church in the kingdom. It has to sit on a pedestal. The churches have to be open so that people can come in and read the Bible whenever they are moved to so do. 
And to this day, there are many, many churches in Britain that are not locked. You walk in and they've got the Bible. When you walk in there, there's a huge Bible sitting there. And you're, you're able to read the Bible. You're able to read the scripture. But King James said, well, I'm going to put my name on the text. And I'm going to put my fancy interpreters on it. We're going to, we're going to produce the King James. But look what happened to the line of King James. Okay. So what we see happen with the line of King James is his son, Charles I, tries to take Britain back into Catholicism, enlists Catholic armies in France and in Ireland to make war on British Protestants. And as a consequence, is tried and found guilty of treason and beheaded. And Oliver Cromwell moves ahead with the edicts of Scottish Rite Presbyterianism, which became Puritanism, which was pure democracy, which he quickly found out was a total disaster because as soon as Parliament formed, they immediately voted themselves the property of everybody else. So he had to disband Parliament and rule as a dictator. Then the son of Charles I, Charles II, takes the office, and James II would follow him, and James II was completely displaced by William and Mary of Orange, and the whole Scottish line came to a complete end over the throne of Britain. And Scotland was totally subsumed by the British Empire. And to this day remains completely subsumed. So I'm just going to ask you, did Christian liberty, the doctrine of Christian liberty, and the idea of redacting scripture did it serve Scotland's interest? Though it didn't. The blessing moved on. The blessing moved on. And so the blessing, right? If you hearken diligently unto the voice of Yahweh Elodeka, and you guard and you do all his commandments, Yahweh Elodeka will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. Did that happen to those practicing Christian liberty? No. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you if you shall hearken unto the voice of Yahweh Eloheka. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle and the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. Blessed shall be your basket and your store. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Yahweh shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. They shall come out against you one way and shall flee before you seven. Yahweh shall command the blessings upon you in your storehouses in all that you set your hand unto. He shall bless you in the land which Yahweh Eloheka gives you. And Yahweh shall establish you a holy people unto himself. If you shall guard the commandments of Yahweh Eloheka and walk in his ways, and all people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of Yahweh, and they shall be afraid of you. And Yahweh shall make you plenteous in goods, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your cattle, and in the fruit of your ground, in the land which Yahweh swore seven oaths unto your fathers to give to you. Yahweh shall open unto you his good treasure the heavens to give the rain unto your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand and you shall lend to many nations and shall not borrow. 
and you should and Yahweh shall make you the head and not the tail, and you shall be above only and not beneath. And if you hearken unto the commandments of Yahweh, which I command you to do this day, to guard and to do them, and you shall not go aside from any of the words which I command you this day on the right hand or the left to go after other Elohim to serve them. Now you see that here, and the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of Yahweh. Now, you may look to yourself and say, well, let's go back and read uh, the KJB. Let's go back and read the ESV. Let's go back and read the NIV. Let's go back and read any other passage. And you're going to see that, gee, well, are they called by the name of Yahweh Eloheka? Right? So let's see. This is in Deborim. This is in Deborim. Brother Mark, can you please close your microphone? Brother Mark. Is my microphone not working? No, yours is fine. Somebody else's is open. Um, Brother Mark, could you close your mic, please? Oh, okay. I'll, let me see if I can check and see whose mic is open. I can make sure it's... Oh, Mark, I see. Yes, I see that. Right. I got it. Okay. So, um, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time reading this English here. I'm not sure what book is what here. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not going to be able to read from the Coverdale because the font is just too much over the top. But if you read, if you read in the um, in any other text, it's going to read, and all people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. But that begs the question, does it not? What is the name of the Lord? This was one of the problems we had in the United States. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, one nation under God. Which God? There's no name. So the Satanists, the Luciferians, everybody else, they just put in whoever they wanted to put in. But when you read the Hebrew, and all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of Yahweh. There's no question about what name is there. There's no question. Anybody who reads the Hebrew can see it. And just for the sake of it, let's see if we can read the Hebrew, since I can't read the Coverdale. Uh, even though it's a beautiful book, but I mean, the font is just like, okay, that's a little bit over the top. But hold on here. Let's see. We're talking about Deuteronomy, and we're talking about Deuteronomy 27.10 or 28.10. Deuteronomy 28.10. There we go. Okay, hold on, guys. Let's share the screen and take a look at eSword, and let's see what it looks like. Deuteronomy 28.10, right? Yeah. Vera'ah kol ami, right? Ha'aretz ki shem. Now, 
Here you see, right? So 2810, again, and they say and see and see all um e my people, my people, Eretz, Haaretz on the earth, he for his name Shem. See that? Shem, the name Shem, and then what follows it? Lord, Baal. Nope. Yahweh. Yahweh. Bakara, in which they are called, in which they are called. Alik. Yare, the Yare, to fear. Right? Mine. And so, uh, so this way, when it reads that. And all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of Yahweh, and they shall be afraid of you. Okay? So this is not Lord. The name right there is very clearly Yahweh. Okay? So with that being said, who are the people that are called by the name of Yahweh in the world today? Who are these people? There you go, Murray. You know, if my people who are called by my name, well, who are the people called by his name? Right? The answer is, it is Yah Sharel. Yah Sharel. And so this is the thing. So when we talk about this, what's going to happen to the people of Yasharel in the middle of all of this stuff that's coming on the world? As the rest of the world that has abandoned his commandments, has abandoned his statutes, has been practicing lawlessness, has been practicing Christian liberty to the point there's, there's no Christian left in them. There's only libertinism. What happens to them? Well, same thing that happened to Scotland. Totally subsumed by another nation, a different language imposed upon you. Well, let's say we don't even have to, we don't have to listen to me. We can just go right up here to verse 15. But it shall come to pass if you will not hearken unto the voice of Yahweh Eloheka to guard and to do all his commandments and statutes, which I command you to do this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Well, let's see if this is happening now. You guys can just take a look. Take a look around you. Cursed shall you be in the city. Well, look at the cities. Look at the cities now. Look at Portland. Look at Seattle. Look at New York. Did you know that the lifespan, the average lifespan in New York has fallen by three years in the last two years? Did you know that? Life expectancy is falling in New York. Cursed you shall be in the field. Well, look what's going on in our fields right now. Drought, flooding, dryness, 
I just read a report this morning. Europe has the worst drought in 500 years. 40% of the soil is completely parched. 40%. The Thames is way down. The Seine is drying up. The Rhine is drying up. They can't even get ship traffic up the Rhine now. Cursed shall be your basket and your store. Well, what's going on with the with food storage right now? What's going on? Massive food shortages are coming. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your land and the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. Well, this also is going on. We won't talk about the demographic collapse in Western Europe and in the United States and Canada and Australia and New Zealand. It's collapsing. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. Yahweh shall send upon you cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that you set your hand unto do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings. Now, you would think that somebody would read this passage, somebody somewhere, before they decide to do wicked things with no conscience whatsoever, oh, let's just go kill these people. What do we care? Somebody lob a nuke into a nuclear power plant so that we can get radiation going out over all of those civilians that are in the Donbass. What do we care? Somebody drop cruise missiles into Tripoli because we got to get rid of that, that Gaddafi. We don't like him. We need his gold. What do we care if they're civilians? So we don't care. Somebody used depleted uranium in Iraq. We need to get rid of that uranium. Well, that's going to kill civilians. So call me when I care. Right? Dial 1010-220. Call me when I care. We don't care. Why? Because we don't see any recompense for our wickedness. But now, recompense is upon us. Yahweh shall make the pestilence cleave unto you until he's consumed you from off the land, whether you go to possess it. The pestilence is just going to stay with you. Until he gets rid of us, it's with us. Yahweh shall smite you with a consumption, with a fever, with inflammation, with extreme burning, with the sword, with blasting, with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. And the heaven that is over your head shall be brass. You think it wasn't brass in, in, the, in the desert southwest this year? You know, one of my daughters lives in Oklahoma. They had, I'm thinking, something like 40 to 45 days above 105 degrees. In a row. They've just now cooled down to the upper 90s. Dallas had some of the hottest weather ever. And then after having this super hot uh, summer that was all dry, all because heaven was brass above them, they got all of their summer's rainfall in six hours. Nine inches of rain in six hours. Yeah, well, shall make the rain of your land powder and dust. From heaven it shall come down upon you until you are destroyed. Yahweh shall cause you to be smitten before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee in seven ways before them. 
and you shall be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. Now, this is something, again, no one wants to look at. But I've tried to tell people, I've tried to tell people in this country, what are you going to do when your children are being carried away with a leather leash around their neck into slavery? What are you going to do? What are you going to say? Gee, maybe I shouldn't have had that fourth burger while I was driving down the street with a cell phone in one hand and a burger in the other. I mean, this is the whole point. I mean, I'm not going to go through all these curses because they are so deep. But all I can tell you is that, well, here, Yahweh shall bring you and your king under which you shall set over you unto a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other Elohim of wood and stone. And you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, a byword among all nations where Yah shall lead you. You shall carry much seed out into the field, but shall gather very little, for the locust will consume it. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but shall not drink of the wine, nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout your coast, but you will not anoint yourself with oil, because your olives will be cast off. You shall beget sons and daughters, but you shall not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. Now, I mean, you know, look, you can see this. You can see this going on around us right now. You can see it going on. You see, and these things which, you know, I, I just, I wish that we had not had the teaching we've had in the Western church for the last 50 years. Do what thou wilt. It all got nailed to the cross. And look what it's brought us. Now, you know, there was a very interesting discussion that took place. Uh, Mike Adams had a very interesting discussion on this. He said, if you look at what's going on in the non-Western world, they are engaged in mining, manufacturing, agriculture, and industry. In the West, we are engaged in consuming that which the East produces. We eat, we recycle, and to do it, because we don't produce anything, we bring up debt. debt debt, debt, and debt. So what is the thing that we are producing the most of in the West right now? There's no question. It's debt. And debt only. So what does the East get when it trades, you know, natural gas, or when it trades agricultural products, or when it trades manufactured goods? What does it get from us? Debt. And it gets non-performing debt. Because when comes time for them to get paid, we inflate the dollar, devalue the dollar, so that we can pay them less and less and less and less and less in real value. Now, how far in debt are we? Well, the United States is $30 trillion in debt. You can't imagine the size of that debt. And Joe Biden has created $3.8 trillion in debt since becoming president. 
He created more debt in two years than we had created in 200 years before him. So, and it's not just him. This is the Western world. And what does the scripture say? You will become borrowers. You will not become lenders. You will become borrowers. Others will rule over you. So if we ask ourselves the question, is the judgment of the curses coming upon us? Most assuredly, it is. And I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell people. I mean, I could sit and scream from the from the palisade all day long. Of course, people are like, "Anybody hear that guy? Did you hear that guy? I didn't hear him. Did you hear what he said? No, I missed it. I didn't hear it." So, what do you see? Well, let me tell you. When you get into the end of this passage. Verse 56, the tender and delicate woman among you, which would not adventure to set the sole of her foot upon the ground for delicateness and tenderness. Her eyes shall be evil toward the man of her bosom and toward her son and toward her daughter and toward her young ones that comes out from between her feet and toward her children, which she shall bear, for she shall eat them for want of all things secretly in the siege and straightness, wherewith your enemies shall distress you in your gates. Now, the record tells us in scripture that in fact that happened. It happened during the time of Zedekiah, during the Babylonian siege on Jerusalem. And he did not, like our leaders in our country right now, how many of our leaders Anywhere in the world, any of them, anywhere in the world, which one of them has told you that we're walking the path of cursing? Who's told you that? Rand Paul? Mitch McConnell? Donald Trump? Who told you we're walking the path of cursing? Which pastor? has been preaching in a mega, mega church that we're walking the path of cursing. Which one? No one. There is no one saying one word to anyone. When Jeremiah went to Zedekiah and told him, you're walking the path of cursing. Zedekiah said, you know, that's interesting, Jeremiah. Shut your face. They slapped him and kicked him out of the palace. So he comes back to him. Jeremiah comes back with a written scroll. And he says, oh, king, I need you to read this scroll because Yah has placed it on my heart to tell you you're walking the path of cursing. And Zedekiah says, well, let me consider that for a second. And he reads the scroll. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting, Jeremiah. He flips it right in the fireplace. Little did he know that when he was flipping that scroll into the fireplace, that he was setting his future in stone, that he would watch his seven sons be killed in front of his own eyes, and then his eyes poked out, and he would die in captivity, totally blind in Babylon. Did he know that when he was throwing the scroll in the fireplace? He should have because Jeremiah told him. 
But who's listening? You think Boris Johnson is listening? You think Liz Truss is listening? Do you think for a second that Liz Truss cares one iota whether or not London is going to be struck with nuclear weapons? Do you? She doesn't believe it's possible that that would ever happen. She doesn't believe it's possible that Britain is going to come under the exact same curse. She doesn't believe that's possible. You know, me, I'm, I'm heartbroken about the whole thing. I'm heartbroken about the whole thing. I wish that I wish that America would, would just stop and smell the coffee for just a few minutes. Instead, everybody runs home and turns on Fox News or CNN. And Fox News sits there and demonizes the left. You have to hate those Democrats. And the Democrats come on. You have to hate those Republicans. And all they do all day long is feed this hate, 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 hate. There's not one word of repentance, and there's not one word that points towards righteousness. Not one word, not one word. And then when you go into churches, they kick you out of the church. We don't want you here. You're going to come in here and start talking about those commandments. We don't want you here. We're not under that law. We weren't born under that law. That stuff got nailed to the cross. We have Christian liberty to do what we will. And then, they, then they hand you the mythology. Well, I have the name of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I've got his full armor on. I'm putting on the full armor of God. Okay, and then how are you doing that? You're putting on this full armor of what? The belt of truth? Are you putting on the belt of truth? No. What is truth? Psalm 119, 142. My Torah is truth. Are you putting on the helmet of righteousness? What is righteousness? Doing what Yah commanded. I mean, I hear this stuff where we're going to put on the armor of God. What does that mean? Oh, something metaphysical in my mind where I pretend that I'm dressed up in armor, and then I go out and sing Christian songs that are mostly about tithing to the church so the pastor can get rich. I mean, I'm just asking you. So where does this leave those who are called by the name of Yah? When you're called by the name of Yah, you say we are Yah Sharel. We are a prince before Elohim. Yasharel. When we say we are a prince before Elohim and we take the name of Yah, we have a responsibility. We have a duty. We have a calling. And we are called to walk in his ways and to guard his commandments and his judgments. And again, you know, this is when we talk about these things. I don't want you to think that I'm telling you, you need to walk in Moshe's Torah. Okay. I'm not a Samaritan with the Samaritan Pentateuch. I'm telling you, you need to use all of Scripture as the Torah of instruction. All of Scripture as the Torah of instruction. And we cannot yield from this. And this is why when we get into some of the subtle nuances, 
you're going to see, like for instance, we're going to be talking very soon in the in the ten Devarim class. We're going to be talking about thou shalt not steal. And I can tell you right now that the scripture does not provide for property tax. Period. Property tax is theft. And you can say it isn't, but it is. We all know, for those of us who spend a lot of time in the you know, advanced areas of common law, that in the United States and in Britain, and in fact, all of the English-speaking countries, there is no what's called a loyal title, where you buy a piece of property, you own that property. Now, there is in Italy. You buy a piece of property in Italy, you own the property, period. There's no taking it away from you. Once you have a deed, you own it. That's it. But when you have a deed in the United States, your neighbors got together and said, even though the law says no real estate transaction shall be recognized unless it's in writing. That's how the law reads in all 50 states. And yet the county in which you're living or the state in which you live has elected to say, well, we're going to give ourselves a deed superior to your deed that allows us to foreclose on your property when you haven't paid your taxes. Well, can you show me that deed? Who signed that deed? How did you get that deed? Your friends and neighbors voted for that deed. Therefore, therefore well, can you show me that? Well, we don't have the deed. We have the statute. We don't have a deed. We have a statute. So you just went ahead. My friends and neighbors got together and voted themselves my property. Is that correct? Yeah, that's why we call it a democracy because that's what Democrats do, vote themselves the property of others. That particular edict, property taxes, is anathema to the Torah. It violates the Torah. But we don't get to talk about that because after all, we don't know that aspect of the Torah. We don't know the aspects concerning the taxing in the Torah about the half shekel. We don't know about these aspects. We don't know about this widows and orphans tithe that is every third year that is supposed to be put together to provide for the widow and the orphan and for the stranger. And the law is very clear that you are to do the exact same law for the stranger who is among you that you do for yourself. Tell it to the people at the border, right? Tell it to the people. I mean, I can tell you, I was doing immigration law. And whereas if you got arrested, unless you got arrested for the January 6th event, you'd have a fundamental right to a trial within 60 days if you're in custody or within 90 days if you're not, period. In an immigration holding tank, you have no right to anything for six months, not even to see a lawyer. You don't have any right. They can hold you six months with nothing. So if you're a person who's in America on a green card or some other temporary status, you can be picked up for any reason and placed in a federal holding tank for six months with no attorney, period. Then you can get an attorney and then they'll start talking about what you can what can happen to you. Okay? That's not the same law for the stranger that it is for us. When you deprive due process for the stranger, you deprive it for yourself. So all of these things are the kind of in the Torah, but also in the Torah is what? You have Mashiach's command in the Torah. 
Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. Stop trying to over-articulate the Shabbat. You have the commands that Mashiach tells you, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Stop complicating it with the Mishnah. Stop adding to the Torah. Now, Paul is going to give us 1,028 mitzvot. You get 613 from Moshe, beginning in Exodus chapter 5, 613 in Moshe, but Paul gives us 1,028. No doing this, no doing that, no doing this. No, you know, you, know you, can't, you, can't, you can't pray with your hat on. A woman must have a hat on. A man should not have a hat on. A woman has to have long hair. A man can't shave his beard. On and on and on it goes, right? So rule after rule after rule after rule after rule, which appears in the New Testament. Most people don't want to talk about it. But they do teach it in the Christian church. They teach the 1,028 mitzvot. Except they don't, because in their own scripture, it reads, if a woman comes into church with short hair, she, her, she should have her head shaved. Doesn't it? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Doesn't it say that? Not in the Sefer, it doesn't. That's not what it says. It says if a woman comes in with her head shaved, then she shall cover her head before she prays or prophesies. Because to do so otherwise is obscene. Right? Okay. So enough of this. All I can tell you is that, uh, okay, your Zoom stopped suddenly, Gabrielle. Okay. Okay, Gabrielle, are you still here? Yeah, you're still here. Okay. All right. All right. So anyway, the point I'm making about this is, is that, you know, we talk about the positive side of the Torah, the positive law. It is from Yah's proscriptions that we find the true liberty in Yah, the true fundamental human rights. So Yah says, you shall not create engraved images and bow down and worship them. Yet every government on earth, first thing they want to do is put up an engraved image, usually of themselves. Let's build a statue of me on a horse. Let's put my name on a building. Let's put my face on a coin. Right? It's the very first thing they do. Let's put my face on a coin. And then I can have my face out there, and then that everybody can worship my face. Well, that's what they do. It's the very first thing they do is put their face on a coin. Put a statue of themselves in the park. Now bow down and worship. Put up a painting on top of the cupola of George Washington sitting around in some occult, uh, I forget what they call that, that, that apotheosis. In, inside the inside the capital. But this is what they do. But guess what? Because Yah said, you shall not, you have a fundamental right to not worship that stuff. Yah says, you shall not violate the Shabbat. Therefore, you have a fundamental right to keep the Sabbath. You have a fundamental right, a God-given human right to take one day off in seven. You shall not dishonor your mother and your father. Uh, you know, I said this at a, at a debate over whether or not the LGBT community should be legally allowed to adopt, which, by the way, was against the law in all 50 states, even into this century. And I said, well, well what's your opinion on that? I said, well, Scripture provides that every child has a fundamental right to a father and a mother. 
And the whole crowd just went, oh. They didn't want to hear about the fundamental right, right? But similarly, you shall not kill, therefore you have a fundamental right to life. You shall not steal, therefore you have a fundamental right to property. You shall not bear false witness, therefore you have a right to a reputation that is free of defamation and libel. You shall not commit adultery, therefore you have a right to the sanctity of your marriage. You see? You see these things? And so this is why these commands, which are proscriptions, you shall not become positive law in the hands of his people. And those who practice these things, who guard them, who keep them, and who go after them with all of their heart and soul, as the scripture commands, come into blessing and have the right to call themselves Yasharel because they come under the name of Yahweh. They are the people of Yah. They're not, you're not the people of Yahweh if you're not obeying his voice. It's just that simple. Well, I've got salvation in Yahusha. Yeah, you've got salvation, but don't be calling yourself his people. Because what did Yah say about you since you're not going to do these things? You will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. So the Christian church is out there saying, hey, guys, come on in here. You know, we're going to have 10,000 Easter eggs this year. This is your opportunity to gather your friends and family to come into the faith. How are we going to do it? Why? What's the lure? 10,000 Easter eggs. We're going to be doing the fertility festival of Ishtar upright this year. Chocolate bunnies, lots of fertility eggs. We're going to dye them in red just to celebrate the blood that used to be used for that rite. And then we'll straighten them out after that. Well, that's not really the Christian faith, the Easter egg. But, you know, guess what? You guys can hang around here for our next big day next year, which is Easter. That's when the church is the most full for the fertility rite. Not to belabor the point. But they're basically telling you, we're the place where we're going to be the least in heaven. Let's everybody hang out here. This is the congregation of those who are going to be the least in heaven. So let's enjoy what we're doing here. We've, we've added two more big screens. We've got 300,000 bucks dropped into the PA. We've got a stage that lights up and new dancers. We've got a new worship song. It's going to go on for 25 minutes called I Surrender All. We're going to be singing this at a slow beat to get your heartbeat to slow down so that we can get you into a state of hypnosis in preparation for the offering where you will surrender all. Because after all, our building isn't big enough. We don't have a gymnasium. My wife isn't making enough money. My Ferrari needs some repair work. The jet still has payments to be made. You know, our $70 million jet, we still have to make payments on that. My $30 million house needs to have some maintenance. My $20 million yacht needs some more maintenance. I surrender all. 
And guess what? By surrendering all, you too could be part of the group that becomes the least in the kingdom of heaven. Because I'm going to tell you that your sin that you're doing today and that you're going to do tomorrow is perfectly fine as long as you continue to surrender all here at the church, which is an indulgence. It's not a tithe. It's an indulgence. So this is why I say to you guys, I pray, it's my prayer, that somebody in leadership will recognize before people are engaging in cannibalism that the curse is upon us. All right. Uh, Lynn, give us an update, would you? I need some prayer. Uh, the father is going to send me to Kentucky to help with sister in homestead. I need prayer for safe travel, make it there safely, help some funds. And so I'm, I'm working, so working, so it'll help. And Emmy's trying to interfere with my phone. They, my one credit card, they, they raised my credit limit. I'm on my, you know, my limit, you know, and they took all my credit away. It should have been there. So tomorrow I have to call them trying to use another phone. So I keep this phone on and I just need prayer. Okay, well, let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we give thanks. We give thanks in all things, Father. We thank you for the life of Lynn and his walk. Father, we pray for your guidance as he leaves where he is now to go to Kentucky. We pray that his travels would be saved well and that you would prosper him in this venture and that he would be obedient to what you've called him to do and he would bring your light to where he is going. May he be a blessing. In, to you and to your name in the name of Yahushua. Amen. Amen. I agree. Yeah, hey, sister has a home said father wants to help me help her. And he was speaking to me a couple months ago, wasn't sure, but he confirmed it. So awesome. Is this trying to interfere? That's great. That's great. It gives you a place, it gives you something to do, which is good. Yeah, I won't I won't be half paying your rent, you know, and I'm just gonna help her on a homestead, you know. And so, well, trust me when I tell you your workload is just beginning. Well, me and my wife used to have uh, goats and chickens, so I know what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where I'll be out of this cold weather in North Dakota. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. Okay. All right, Lynn. Well, blessings to you, brother. Thank you. Okay. All right. Uh, Doug, how are you, Doug? Bachelor. Shabbat Shalom. Um, following your suggestion, I, uh, I, um, did a code and it, uh, ended up being one of the most interesting codes I've ever done. Ah. Uh, it's about the, uh, it's about the helix and I've got it in a code finder if, uh, if can share. Uh, yeah, um, let me see if you can see if you can try to share it and I'll see if I can see it. Okay, now it's uh, host disabled, it, it says. Okay, hold on. Okay. okay. Try it now, Doug, see what we can do. All right, love you, Dad. Okay. All right, here we go. All right, bye-bye. Okay, here is 
There we go. Boom. Got it. Yeah. Um, this is in Revelation. And uh, a little bit of explanation how I search for things. Um, first of all, I need to know that I'm supposed to find this. So I, I put in my name and I have two spellings, a, a short spelling that is Pei-Tomata, uh, which uh, I use when I search for something that is in a very limited area. And then my name in the longer, it is Pei-Tomata-Oliftar. And um, I also searched, always put in Yahuwah's name. And here is the term, and it's um, Samak Lamad Yod Lamad, which is coil or or the helix or or a, a turning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you'll notice something interesting. We have the father's name going this way: Yod A Ba He Ba He. Wav, uh, yod hey, wav hey, and uh, you can see that uh, it shares the hey here. You can see in my name it goes one way, and it goes the other way, and it shares the samak. You see that that the uh, uh, helix or the coil goes up this way and goes over this way. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, I put in, I've, I saw that there was a wab in front of it here and a yod in front in the, as a suffix. So I read this as, and uh, my coil, my helix. Right. And in this direction, we have wab, hey, and then um, that with a wab on the end of it. And, and of him. And the coil of him. Right, right. And his coil. So we have we have uh, those those two things there. And, yeah, fascinating. Now, what passage in Revelation is this where you took this? Okay, this where where the father's name is, you'll love this one. It's in Revelation 19.14. And the uh, um, solidarity of heaven followed him on white horses clad in garments of pure linen. That's, that's one of the passages. And then the helix, this helix is in um, Revelation 19.3. And again, they said, hallelujah, and her smoke ascended up forever and ever. That's uh, when they uh, cast down uh, Babylon. So we have those. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn off uh, uh, the my name part of it, and I'm going to add... Uh, some of the other terms that are in there. 
DNA. Yeah, and RNA, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see on RNA as well. So we can see that uh, DNA, and I just used it, you know, as, um, or did I do that? R I did RNA, I'm sorry. But we'll do the, do the DNA as well. Yeah, but there's the RNA right there. Wait a minute. The yeah. RNA, the, the, the Reish Nun Aleph RNA, right? Yeah. See that? Yeah. Okay. And here is the DNA, Dalit Nun Aleph. So you can see that the DNA is crosses over both of these. DNA and RNA both cross over the helix. Yes, but the RNA only crosses over this helix, is helix. Right. And the, and the DNA crosses over both. So it's both DNA. Yeah, interesting. Now, here is, here is something interesting. Come on. Yeah, now, now hold on just a second here, Doug. Just one, just one second, okay? Yeah. Because if you uh, uh, let me see if I if I can um, if I can annotate just a minute. I guess I can't I can't annotate on yours. But if you look at the RNA mm -hmm. section, okay, uh, where your RNA is crossing, right? Mm -hmm. and if you go back here, you'll also see there is a mem in the sequence back here. Do you see it? Um, mRNA. Yeah. Back well, here. I know well, it's a little bit. It's a little bit out of the sequence. It technically should be right there, but um, anyway, yeah. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. Now, the important thing about this, that another thing that was really interesting, the skip of this uh, main term is 288. The actual skip of the scripture in here is 144. Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, the DNA here is at a skip of 288. You see, there's two of them. Right. And there's two of everything. There yeah, is that's right. And there's two witnesses. Now, and look at this. Now, I see we, we see we have Malachi here. Malach, yeah. and mm -hmm. again, the spelling here is with the Aleph, Malach, Malachi, right? His messenger, his yeah. messenger, and this Malach is going to be in line with the DNA, right? Messenger well, DNA, and crosses the RNA. Yeah, well, there's there's this Malach for the RNA, and then there's another one for the DNA. It's in a different difference. Okay, turn this one it's easier to turn one on at a time so it makes more sense because if I show the whole thing. So here's the other messenger, M-L-A-K. It's right, it's right next to the DNA here. So. Oh, I see it, yeah. Yeah. M-L-A-K, yeah. Yeah, so this is through this representation where it's my DNA, which is the father's DNA, is, is not, a, not a fallen one. Uh, yeah, very interesting. So we're seeing, again, 
you know, and I don't know. I mean, I think this is kind of an unveiling, Doug, if you will. It's an unveiling of something in Revelation that I don't think we were prepared, uh, that any of us were prepared to see uh, that, you know, I think over the years people have had an interpretation of Revelation, but now I think it's unfolding yeah. because as we've come, as knowledge has increased to the point that we can understand DNA now, mm-hmm. we're starting to see, and you know, when I was teaching on this, when we were talking about the 10 Devarim class, or excuse me, the ancient days class, we talked about the idea of the tree of life being this actual, the tree was actually this double helix of DNA. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is this triple helix. So the tree looks like the tree of the knowledge of life, except that it has a snake coiled in it. It has this helix coiled in that tree. Yeah. And here, and so here, and we're beginning to see again more evidence of it here. So I think this this revelation, if you will, this understanding that what we're seeing now is really DNA dependent. And we know that when when it says as it was in the days of Noah, we know that there was DNA contamination because of the fallen watchers. The fallen watchers had contaminated you know, many, many women and many, many families with fallen DNA. And that DNA was spreading and going throughout because everybody was intermarrying. Yeah. And so as a consequence, you had eight people that had undefiled DNA and everyone else had defiled DNA and they had to be wiped from the face of the earth. And uh, so, and, and again, we see the same thing here. And again, Revelation is telling us that, you know, the number shall be 144,000 of those who are to be sealed. It doesn't mean there's 144,000 people who are sealed. It means that those who are sealed have the number 144,000. And that number is the genetic code. It means you have only a double helix. You do not have the triple helix. Right. I've had a bunch of information sent to me from other sources talking about the, the research world that's going on uh, in uh, genetics. They have been, you know, talking about the triple helix for some time and its capability to cure cancer, its capability of doing this, capability of doing that. And it all has to do with the triple helix. So they've known about the triple helix and what it's capable of doing for some time now. And science has been advancing this idea of making the triple helix work. In other words, putting the helix, the the third helix inside the human body. And coincidentally, they know for this mRNA to have an effect, the RNA has to be identical to the DNA. So the strand of DNA that's going to be recreated, the single helix that's going to be recreated in the RNA, the RNA has to have the same number of genes that the single strand of DNA has in order for it to do a complete replication. So this is why the RNA must have the 72,000 genes in it in order to replicate the DNA. So the messenger, the Malachi messenger RNA, and here you have it right here in this graph, Doug. You've got it right here in the graph. Malachi RNA, right? Can you can you show that with your highlighter? The Malachi RNA. Well, it's, it, it goes right along here. And here is the RNA. Uh, and the RNA. let me show you where the dragon is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Here is the dragon. Ta, Noon, Yod, 
noon. Yeah, noon, tanin. Right, and you notice the noon in the RNA is a noon in the dragon. And now yeah. look at the dragon going this way. Ta, noon, yod, noon. It shares the noon with the dragon going up the other way. This direction, that direction. Each one of these terms shows up in that manner, which is uh, absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, that you have two witnesses in the passage for virtually every claim. And I'll put in the last two terms, which is enchantment and man, and or the last three terms, man and fallen. Gets a little bit. Everything is very tight. It's like uh, uh, Bible codes a lot of times uh, are smaller words, but it's like with real estate. Location, location, location. And um, here, is, here is enchantment, right, falling right along here, which is uh, the uh, also the snake enchantment Nahash. 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 and um, we have Adam right here Olet Mim and of course here we have uh, the dragon right next to that so we see and uh, here is uh, Fallen and it comes up here and connects with the dragon. And, and um, so there's, like I said, it's, it's very, very tight in here. I'm going to uh, finish it up and, uh, and uh, put it on my YouTube channel after I did it all annotated because it's, it's extremely difficult to, you know, see it this way. Yeah, but I'll tell you, yeah, right. But but I can tell you, I mean, I am seeing what you're saying, Doug. And it's looking to me, uh, I mean, we have, again, you know, we try to understand what happened in the garden, you know. Uh, we're, we're expecting that there was a serpent as in like a cobra or something like this that was there. But it's looking to me like the serpent was a coil, something coiled in the tree of life. Now, we see this represented when the queen did her triple helix display recently, she lit up the triple helix that went up to a tree and then showed the serpent coiled in the tree. And so when we see these, these lines of seduction, when the, when the serpent said to Kua, did Yahweh really say, I mean, this is, it's very possible that this is a casting of the seduction of the tree without that actually having been said. In other words, these were things that Hua was saying in her own mind when she was looking at partaking of this coiled helix in the tree, this coiled helix in the tree. Now we see the same lure that's going on today, you know, in my, in the modern world, many people who are outside the scope of this fellowship would be saying to themselves, well, why not take the MRNA? It's going to make me a cyber robot. Why not take the triple helix? I'm going to become infinitely smarter. Why not get the chip put in my brain? I'm going to be able to compete. I'm going to be able to hold a job. I'm going to be able to stay in with those people who are really getting advancement, right? I'm going to be able to do all of this stuff. I'm going to be able to, you know, do these. let's take the triple helix. I too will be a God. 
And in fact, who was it? Uh, Jared Kushner came out and said, we are of the generation that's going to be immortal because we're going to make ourselves immortal. We're going to make ourselves immortal by, you know, putting ourselves in the cyborgs and so on and so forth. That's what he's talking about, right? That we too are going to be gods and people are claiming to be gods right now. The people who are saying we create life now, we create life because we create life. We are gods. That's the definition of a creator of, of a God is someone who creates life. We create life for gods. And so here we, we see this link up of the Tanin, the dragon, the Nakash, you know, the Tanin, it's very interesting because you have the Tanin crossing Nakash, right? Yeah. They, they cross, the Tanin crosses the Nakash and the Tanin and the Nakash are immediately uh, uh, in a kind of the same diagonal, if you will, as Adam. So, and the helix is right there. So this whole story of the garden is right here before us, staring us right in the face in this Bible code. Yeah. Here is, this is the temptation. The triple helix was there. It was coiled. It belonged to the RNA, belonged to the snake. It was the messenger RNA, the Malachi RNA. Messenger RNA, which belonged to the Tanin, which belonged to the, and the Tanin and the serpent the, were the same thing. The dragon and the serpent were the same thing. And they were, this messenger RNA was a, in the form of a triple of the third helix. It's in the form of the third helix. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And Yah's DNA is also present in this very same thing, separate. Yah's DNA is separate from Adam, separate from the serpent, separate from, from all of it, right? It's Yah's DNA back here, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I find this, I mean, this is, yeah, I find this to be a, an absolutely incredible, incredible, incredible passage. And, yeah. and, and where this shows up, where all of this shows up is in uh, uh, Revelation 18, 21, and an angel took up a stone, like a great millstone and cast it into the sea saying, so shall Babylon, the great city be thrown down with violence and shall be no more found. So that's, that's where all of these end up. Wow. Wow. Well, Doug, I mean, this is an absolutely fascinating teacher teaching in code. And well, it, it, to me, it proves that this is living scripture. This is living scripture. This is inspired. This is this is his word. Yeah, amen. I have no doubt. Yeah, and amen. Yeah, I agree with that. The Aramaic, Prashida, and I looked for other spellings of the helix, and I found it in other books, but I knew that he had something for me in Revelation. So I, I looked to see what the uh, root word for uh, coil is, and that's what came up. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it up, and I'll uh, um, put it on my channel and um, um, let people know when it's, when it's available. Yeah. Well, thank you, Doug. I mean, it's an excellent code, and it was something that I think it was very worth our time to see. Because again, it is going to and leading to the same kind of uh, understanding that is kind of emerging, if you will, about 
what was taking place in the garden and as a consequence what is taking place with mankind again right now it's happening right now the same thing is happening right now and the same effect is happening you know we talked a little bit about the idea of Selem and Selah right Selem and Selah those were also important points okay all right well Doug well thank you for blessing us with that today thank you brother you're welcome okay all right, I'm going to continue on here. Okay, Mary, how are you? I'm great, Dr. P. How are you? Very good. Really enjoyed that, Doug. That was that was really amazing. Um, my question is about today's Torah, uh, the half Torah portion, um, uh, and um, Yeshiahu uh, cha chapter sixty, and that um, those that those whole set portions of of isaiah there the from 60 to 66 you know we we have kind of passed through a lot of teaching over the years and we've just been searching for the truth and searching and eliminating things that didn't seem right and as a result of being like exposed to messianic judaism they seem to teach that that um Israel will kind of, dis all of Israel scattered all over the world will descend on Yerushalayim and then th that Israel will be restored. And I've been trying to understand that. We've been studying that. And it seems like today what you said was Yasharel the, are the people that are called by his name. Yasharel, that's Yah's people. That to me now explains, does it not, who... Israel is in Isaiah's song, in Isaiah's writings. Yeah, that's correct. And that's a very good observation because when we talk about, you know, the, the world and, and, you know, a lot of people criticize me. They claim that I'm quote unquote anti-Semitic or something because I simply, you know, take the, um, uh, the Jewish world at their own claims. You know, right. the Jewish encyclopedia says they are Esau. That's what it says in the Jewish Encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. The, um, I'm, you know, all I can tell you is that the House mm -hmm. of Yasharel are all the tribes. It's not something less than all the tribes. It's all the tribes, right. and equally important, it's all the tribes plus those who sojourn with them, and those who sojourn with them. And so the truth is, is that Yasharel has been dispersed all over the earth to the point that they are among every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Right. And so when we're talking about Yasharel, the, the quality of Yasharel is, as Mashiach, or as Paul says, you know, when you have a confession of faith in Yahusha and a confession of faith in what he did, his works on this earth, in terms of his death, resurrection, and ascension, and you believe in that, the Father and the Son whom he sent, then you are Yashareli indeed. You see, you right. are Yashareli indeed. And so all of this stuff about the reference that is, you know, I mean, you have this idea of, um, you know, there, there used to be a thing, something called British Israelism, where the church would say, well, we are Israel because we're Christian, we're Israel. Then you have Jewish Israelism that anybody who's from any of the 12 tribes is really Jewish. Well, mm -hmm. that's simply not true. And I mean, and I see this all the time. I mean, like Judaism tries to subsume and reach around and capture everything. Oh, well, the Christian faith is just another form of Judaism. Well, 
you know, that may be, but when you're talking about the real faith, the Judaism is outside the real faith. It was a reactionary faith. It was a faith that was, Judaism itself was created by the Hyrcanian tribe of the Makas. They, they called themselves the Maccabees, but they were from a, a place called Hyrcania. And John Hyrcanus was the one who forced the house of Esau into the circumcision. And they created the Yarushalmi Talmud, which created Judaism. And all of this happened around the time of Hillel the Elder in Samai. They created the religion of Judaism. And uh, this was centered around the Talmud. And the Talmud was a replacement law. And Hillel the Elder argued, you know, this is no longer a, an era of the Torah. It's now an era of the Talmud. It's now all about rabbinical teaching. It's not about the written word. And this was a move away from Scripture. It's a move away from Scripture and into the, the uh, artifices and the constructions of men. And so this would go along for about 400 years and would form and form and form until it became Babylonian Talmudism. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about Judaism, you can talk about Judaism if you want. It's a co-opted name, in my opinion. What right. you're really speaking about is Babylonian Talmudism. Babylonian Talmudism. That's what the true faith is in that faith. And it is distinct from scripture. It uses the Torah, but when you get a Talmud, people do not read the Torah portion of the Talmud. They read the rabbinical opinion about the Torah portion. They don't read the Torah portion. They read the rabbinical opinion, and they follow the rabbinical opinion, whether it be in the Gemara, which is rabbinical opinion, or it be it's in the restatement of the law, which is the Mishnah, which is now 26 volumes, right? That has added substantially to the Torah, substantially. While And the Talmud openly contradicts the Torah in at least 18 places, particularly when it comes to sexual immorality. Okay, so they want to claim that everybody's Jewish. If you're from the tribe of Naphtali or you're from the tribe of Issachar or you're from the tribe of Ephraim, well, you're Jewish. Well, no, sorry, that is co-opting and taking of somebody who's of the tribe and shoving them into a religious construct that doesn't exist. But it's the same thing with British Israelism. No, we're Israel. No, we're Israel. No, we're Israel. No, we're Israel. Well, you know, scripture tells you who is Israel. And, and no one else tells us. Scripture tells us who is Israel. And let me see if I can find it here. We'll see if we can come up with it. Yashar Eli. Let's see if we can find that. Okay. That's because I don't have the hyphen in it. Just a minute. No, that didn't return to me either. Really getting this, this thing is getting very picky. Okay. Yeah. Okay, just a minute. Hold on a second. Um, well, I guess I'm not gonna be able to find the passage. I'll have to look later for it. But the but the discussion about scripture tells us who is Yasharel. And Yasharel are those who have the confession of faith. And we can even go farther than that because Revelation tells us who we are. Yasharel are those who have the testimony of Hamashiach and are keeping the commandments. Right. 
we were. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, when you talk, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to Jerusalem, but, you know. No, unfortunately. You know, I, I mean, it's basically a glorified pile of rocks. I mean, you know, I, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, you know, you get there and you have, you know, you have the construct of Herod the Great who built the Temple Mount, who built the city of Caesarea, who built the city, the Marad Machpelah uh, in uh, Hebron, and who built Masada. And then you have the stones of the walls around the city. And, you know, you have the ancient stones, and then you have the Byzantine stones, and then you have the Muslim stones. And so you go from big stones to medium-sized stones to small stones on the same walls as they built the walls higher and higher, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's stones, stones everywhere. I mean, I think it's beautiful myself, but, but, you know, when you talk about the New Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem is, what did Mashiach say to the woman at the well? You worship here in these mountains, right? Gezerim and Eval at Shiloh. You worship here, Shechem, Jacob's well. We worship in Jerusalem, but I tell you the truth, there will come a time where you will worship neither in these mountains or in Jerusalem, but you shall worship in spirit and in truth. Because Yerushalayim, New Yerushalayim, is a temple built without hands. It's a wall built without hands. It's built on the foundation of Yahweh and his light, and it has nothing to do with the building right. or wall, mm -hmm. right? And so this is why, you know, when you look at those prophecies in, in Isaiah, those are wonderful prophecies in 60 to 66, wonderful prophecies, but an expectation, I mean, I, I mean I'll just tell you, I mean, for me, I have a real hard time with uh, the nation of Israel because it's not the nation of Israel. First of all, if you go back and you look at scripture, you'll find out that the kingdom was called Yahud, not Israel. Under David, it was called Yahud. And the people were called Yahudim because they were members of that kingdom. Mm -hmm. They were Yahudi because they were part of the kingdom of Yahud. The kingdom Yitzrael is called in your Bible, you know, in the English Bible, Jezreel. Jezreel. Well, in, in the Hebrew, it's actually Yitzrael, Yitzrael. And that was the Northern Kingdom, which was dispersed in 722. So why do they call their nation Israel? And then when they come out and say Israel is for the Jews only, that's not Israel. Israel was the 10 Northern tribes. What are you talking about? It's for Jews only. So they should have named it Judea, not Israel. It should have been named Judea, not Israel. And then they come out and say, well, those who bless Israel shall be blessed. Those who curse Israel shall be right. cursed. Well, what you're talking about there is the house of Yasharel, not the nation. The house of Yasharel, not the nation. Okay. So I'm going to leave it with that, Mary. So, yeah. Okay, thanks. Bet. Okay. Okay, let's go to Dabari. Dabari, thanks, Mary, for, for your contribution today, by the way. Thank you. Hi, Dabari. Are you there? There you are. Can't hear you. Almost, I can, I can almost hear you except for that one part. There you go. Hi. I just wanted to thank you, Dr. P. I thank y'all for your wisdom, your knowledge, and I am so grateful for the separate groups, and I appreciate this whole family because they have become my family now. But the other thing I wanted to tell you is Milagro, being filled war, was filmed up in Luchas on my, grand, on my uncle and aunt's property, 
and it was full of plastic plants. <laughs> it was full of what? Plastic plants. I don't think you can grow um, beans up in Truchas. Ah. It's pretty cool there. And, uh, I, and, and most of my kindergartners were seconds because they never came to class. <laughs> anyway, I just want to say thank you to this whole family. And I just appreciate all that you do. It's amazing. I'm taking the classes and taking handwritten notes. And it's really causing me to really think. Thank well, you. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Debari. Thank you for your kind words. And thank you for being a part of this fellowship. You know. You know that um, we go through, of course, when, whenever we, we bring forward the stridency of scripture, for some people it's hard and they can't deal with what's actually written. And so, uh, and when you're on the learning curve, particularly if you're coming out of a place where you weren't taught very much, you know, in, in, a, in a very narrow church, then you come into this, into this world where you're going to see the whole of scripture, it can be a lot be overwhelming and uh so i just want to say thank you for your words and thanks for being a part of the group and let's pray that we can continue in peace and shalom eh? okay thank you thanks Abari. blessings to you blessings hey catherine how are you hello hi <laughs> yeah sorry no, I found Doug's thing very, very interesting. And that prophecy I, I, I gave you months and months ago about London burning. I'm yes. really pleased that you got that confirmation through your intelligence or sources or whatever. But I wanted to ask about the great city. Now, the other part of that prophecy I gave you months ago, where there was Nimrod's um, statue along the Thames, and I saw a great flooding in London. Could the great city be London? Because Great Britain, great city. Could it? It's just... Ah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there I don't are know, many... it's something to think about. Yeah. And the other thing was, when you were talking about the Charles, Charles Kings, the ancient Charles one and two, well, we've got Charles three coming up. And with what you were saying about Charles one and two and the blessings being taken away, I believe once Charles reigns, the blessings are going to be taken away because he's not promoting Judeo-Christian -Christ worship or anything like that. He's promoting all faiths. So I believe the same demise that happened with Charles the first, Charles II will probably happen to Charles III. Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you, Catherine, that, you know, when you're talking about, you know, he has a duty under the Magna Carta 
he has a duty to uphold the faith. And he does, remember, but he's accepting all faiths. But remember this idea of ecumenicalism, of the acceptance of multiple faiths, is the betrayal of Yahweh. Because you're yes, saying, you're exactly. saying this, this Yah is not good enough for us. We also have to have Buddha. We have to have Hinduism. We have to have Taoism, yeah. Shintoism. We have to have Islam. We have to have Allah. We have to have this. We have to have that. Well, if when you do that, you have betrayed the law. You have betrayed your Elohim. You betrayed the blessings will go from Charles the Third. Yeah, there's no question. Well, the blessings, in my opinion, have been vanishing from Britain for seventy years under Elizabeth. Mm. And you know, uh, there has been a famine of the word in Britain under Elizabeth for seventy years. And now I don't think the blessings are going to be removed. You're talking about the very nation state is going to be removed. Mm. Mm. And this is why, you know, I just wish, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, this is why I'm coming to Britain is because mm. I just want to say to the remnant, we must, we must, we must, we must walk back into the covenant. We must, we must, we must, we must walk back Definitely. into the covenant. And it's not to condemn anybody else or anything else. We're just saying that we must walk back into the covenant. But yeah, you saw that vision, and I think your vision is correct, and I do think it is coming. I think, I mean, I don't know. I think, does Liz Trust want this to happen? I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, actually when, think when she, she got scales over her eyes, like the rest of the members of parliament. They walk I around guess. with those scales over their eyes. And... They haven't got close to Yah, so those scales will not be removed until... Well, you know, Catherine, you know that there are British special forces in Ukraine right now. Mm. Right? Mm. And the Russians have the intel. They know that Britain mm. has deployed special forces in Ukraine. Well, when you, deploy, when you deploy British troops into Ukraine, what did Russia say? When, when you, your you, troops you, are here, when your troops are, are here... And we're at war with you. Exactly. It's really, really silly. But I just also, there's another thing I wanted to bring up. Is um, the little blessing this week. I will not go into names because you know there are certain public figures I minister to. Right. But we as a people with Yah have the power to move mountains. And I'm just going to give a little testimony without naming any names. Stephen knows about this, but I was facing a very, very dark force this week, the Illuminati, who wanted to take control of somebody I was ministering to. I did send the invite invitation to Stephen. This person has got to be kept confidential, but praise Yah, this person never put her foot in the door. And she has been listening to the seeds. She or he has been listening to the seeds I've been planting. And I encourage them to do the research themselves and to get back to me. And he or she got back to me and they are not going with that temptation. And I just feel we as a people need to realize 
our strength, our prayers. They are so powerful. And it's for each and every one of us. We all have the power through Yah to shake mountains, to bring walls tumbling down. All of us have that same power through Yah. And I just want to encourage people, if you are faced with the most demonic societies, the most evil things in your life, you are an overcomer through Yah. And the congregation have got to learn that. There is so much power in the tongue. Yah gave us a tongue to praise, to pray, to sow seeds. Our tongue is so powerful if we use it in Yah's will. And just keep going, folks. Whether it's a poor man on a street corner or whether it's a mighty man in a tower. Amen. Just keep planting those seeds. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your words to heart, Catherine, because I am praying that we're going to be able to make a difference uh, in Britain. That things are going to change. Mm. That the, that that the scales will fall from the eyes, and that they will fall quickly before mm. there are mass casualties everywhere. I am. I now, with what I've seen y'all do in this particular individual's life, we won't name names, you know the name, nobody else has to know, is so amazing. I'm now being allowed to pray using the correct names of Yah, Yahuwah, Yeshua. This person accepts all the correct names. And it's just lovely to see this little shoot seedling grow and grow and grow. Might be a slow growth, but not everybody is the same. But it's, it's just absolutely wonderful to rescue somebody from the clutches of Hasatan. I mean, it was spectacular this week. Oh, by the way, that truck outside, as soon as I took action, the migraines stopped. Three and a half days of migraines. But that's between you and me. Yeah, you were probably being and I worked out my. <laughs> hey? It was probably subsonic waves. Yeah. yeah. I was under heavy attack. I'm still okay. going to soldier on. Still All right. Gonna keep keep on. up the good work, Catherine. Keep up the good work. And we'll, we'll be in touch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we will. Um, yeah. So I just want to encourage, encourage everybody. Your mouth through Yah is so powerful and keep going. Okay. Well, we'll be seeing you very soon. Okay, brother. Okay. okay, Catherine. Take care. You too. Shalom. Hey, Gabriella, you managed to get back on. Yeah, shalom, shalom, brother. Shalom, uh, shalom. Just get to, everything went blank and and it reconnected right away. But we were like, what just happened? But um, I'm going to take my time this night because I want to tell a short story how... Holy Spirit is uh, working in my life. It's when I'm studying, suddenly uh, Holy Spirit stops me and says, Dig here. 
and then I dig. So the this week's actually the week before study was Enoch ninety six verses two to three. And um, first, I want to ask in millennium edition. There's a you shall you your nest shall be more exalted than that of the avest. Do I say, what is avest? Um. Well, that's a good question, oh, <laughs> and the answer is I don't know. I suspect it is a bird. Yeah, because uh, I have uh, another uh, Enoch version. This is combined with R.A. Charles and was it Lawrence? And it says that, uh, and your nest shall be higher than the vultures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to so keep in mind that, that, um, R.H. Charles, there's a reason why we didn't use the R.H. Charles. Um, because he was kind of generous with his translation. Okay. Continue, please. So I suspect that the Avest is maybe vultures, maybe falcons, maybe hawks, but it's a high nesting bird. Yes, because the inter uh, my interest in this whole context is uh, in seven well couple places. Um, first was the um, the 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 like conies, and when I dig into it, it came to be that it is. Uh, animal called rock hurrocks i can put the link of it to the chat and uh, the interesting part of that animal is that it is uh, nesting and uh, living in like uh, rock cliff cliffs and and what it says it says, uh, clefts of rock forever like conies enter into cavity cavities of the earth. And those rock rocks are living in height of 4.2 kilometers. That's about 2.6 miles, height of 2.6 miles. And uh, so we got eagles high and vultures or hawks high. And then these, uh, these rock hurrocks in high. And the third uh, passage says, uh, who shall groan over you and weep like sirens? That passage was in the other translation. Uh, as the satyrs. So which one is it? Is it is it a satyr or satyr or is it siren? Mm. Because everybody else in this passage fits to the height like mountain of Yah, but not the sirens. 
unless they are unless they are um, satyrs, satyrs. Um, well, I mean, I'm looking at the um, the coney, and we have the rock herox. We yeah. have something similar to that in oh. Alaska. We call them marmots. Oh, marmots. They're um like a small squirrel. Um, but when you're talking about the sirens, again, remember that you're asking really a question about the differences between the R.H. Charles and the D.H. Lawrence and the Knib translations of Enoch. And what I can tell you is when we looked at the Charles, when we looked at the comparison, the, you know, the D.H. Lawrence was the first to translate the Ethiopian Book of Hanok yeah. into English, yes. because the the Book of Hanok that appears in the Dead Sea Scrolls does not have more than twenty two chapters. I mean, no. the, the, all of and it's not even the complete twenty two chapters. The, but the artifacts, the relics, the fragments do not exceed twenty two chapters. And then we get the so the the entirety of the text of Enoch we get out of the Ethiopian book. And the Ethiopian Bible was the first Bible in the world. And they've always published Jubilees, and they've always published Enoch, as has the Assyriac tradition published the same. We know that the discussion about the fallen angels being imprisoned is quoted in the book of Jude in the New Testament and is referred to by both Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 and by Peter in 1 Peter. And so... But the reference that we see from Jude and from Peter and from Paul and the 56 references to Enoch that appear in the New Testament all deal with the issue of the fallen watchers. It doesn't deal with the three parables. It doesn't deal with the uh, with the illuminations of the heaven. It doesn't even deal with the prophecies concerning Methuselah and uh, Noah at the end. It deals only with those initial chapters. But when I looked at the Kinev and I looked at the D.H. Lawrence, which D.H. Lawrence was first, and then we get to the Charles. Charles was very generous about his translation and his interpretation. And so he liked to use very common words that were not necessarily there. And we also see we've got a problem because we don't have the original Hebrew. So we have a, in some cases, a transliteration into the Ethiopian language, which is, which is then translated into English. Now, you have an idea how difficult this process is. The Ethiopian Bible today, I can't get a, an English copy of the whole of that Bible. I can get an English copy of the 66 books out of that Bible that are in the, the common Bible. But when it comes to the DDK and numerous other texts that are appearing in the New Testament and the Old Testament, because there's 92 books in the Ethiopian Bible, I can't get copies of them. I can't get them in English because they have not yet been translated. So it's still sitting out there, right? Oh, and again, this is one of the problems we see right now. It's like there's a Hebrew version of the New Testament, for instance, that has not been translated yet. Looks like it's going to be a project with which I'm going to be involved, which looks good. But oh wow! But the point is, is that when when you see this stuff in in our version of Enoch compared to the D. H. Lawrence or compared to the R. H. Charles, rather, the Charles was. Um, again, when you read the Charles, you see all the footnotes. 
And I've gone through some of those footnotes. Many of them are not correct. They were his guesses at what was being said. And when you read it closely, you'll see he paraphrased things over and over again. So when we put together our version of Hanok, we looked at the work of D.H. Lawrence, of R.H. Charles, and of Knib. Knib, I think, was the most meticulous between the three. And then we decided on what was going to be the best, what we thought was the most accurate translation of a particular verse. So that's why it reads the way it reads, right? Because these were words that were being selected by D.H. Lawrence, and we thought these were better words than what we were getting from R.H. Charles. What about, uh, is there a translation of uh, Hanok in Aramean language? In which language? Aramea. Uh, Aramean. Uh, well, I mean, who has done that, you know? I have not seen it in the Aramaic. Okay. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. That this was my rapid trail last week, and I'm middle of a, another one in this week. But I'll I'll back, get back to that in the next Sabbat if it's okay. Oh, yeah, we are still here. Yeah. Oh, I think. Yeah, yeah, we will still be here next week. Yeah, we will be. <laughs> with with prayers, you know, Bet Israel Yahweh, as they say in Hebrew, by the will of Yah, we will be. Exact mon ami. Exact mon. Exact mon. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Gabriella. Thank you. Okay. Shalom. You bet. Shalom. Okay. Galaxy 9. Galaxy S9, I don't know who you are because I've only seen you as Galaxy S9, but you have your hand up. Okay. All right, Galaxy. Hello. Okay. Hello. Is, is that me? Yep, it's you. Yep. Hey, Dr. P. Hey. Hey, I also wanted to second what. Uh, The last uh, last one said about how uh, grateful we are to have you as a teacher and well thank you I appreciate yeah. that thank you and uh, I just got this calling that I was supposed to share something that my wife had kind of discovered and, and also ask you a question about it going to with the uh, the helix talk that we we're having so she was looking into the 13 tribes and uh, let's see I'm gonna back up a little bit here um, I really like when you bring up Chuck Missler because I used to watch a lot of his stuff and his content that his church was posting um, about how y'all can see the end from the beginning and it's kind of like watching a parade from an aerial view. And uh, with that in mind, I was thinking the 144,000 genes that we talk about and having 12,000 from each tribe Perhaps him knowing how those tribes were going to act, he actually made us out of those tribes before they existed. Yeah. Yeah, well, that would be the code, right? That would be the code. Because remember, yeah, this is a good point. When you talk about the seed of Yasharel, which we talk about in Jubilees, right? The book, because Genesis says, I called Israel my firstborn son. 
But in Jubilees, it says, I called the seed of Yasharel my firstborn son. And the seed of Yasharel, and then we're told that we have the 22 patriarchs leading up to the seed of Yasharel. Then Yaakov forward becomes that seed. And from that seed, of course, Mashiach would come. But I call the seed of Yasharel my firstborn son. That is the seed that goes directly all the way back to Adam. So if you go back and you watch, the, the program I did on the wheat and the tares, I covered some of this stuff talking about the tzela. Now, somebody pointed this out to me the other day that um, you might if I go to white screen for a second, now that you brought it up, whiteboard. Okay, thanks. I'm going to go to it then <laughs> since you mentioned it. All right. So what we see is you see when you're talking about the image of Yah, right? Let us make man in our image and likeness. Okay. So, excuse me, that uh, that's not what's there. Pardon me just one second. What's there is actually this. You have this idea of the members of feet. Salem. Salem. So this is the image of Yah. Okay, but the rib that's taken out of Adam is Selah. Selah, Selem, Selah, Selem. Okay, so what is this image that was taken out of Adam? Well, we're told this is a rib. He took a rib. Well, I'm sorry, but men have the same number of ribs as women, right? But if he took a strand of DNA, or more particular, he took RNA from Adam. RNA, which is what? Ribonucleic acid. Oh. Okay, you see that? He took the yeah. RNA from he took the RNA from Adam. And this would replicate to the DNA that was in the strand. So one DNA from Yah for the woman and the RNA from Adam. And this creates Isha. Isha. Now, the distinction being between men and women, male and female in Genesis 1, Zakar and Nekebah, male and female, which applies not only to human beings, but also to cattle, to dogs, to fish male and female, instead of that being the case, no, 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 no. We're talking about with man, with Adam and Hua, it's Ish and Isha. Ish and Isha. There's a fire present in Ish and Isha that's not present. So therefore, the DNA goes from Adam. It goes from Adam, and then it goes through the 22 patriarchs, until you get to Yaakov. And Yaakov would be renamed Yasharel. And, which is the firstborn seed. The seed of Yasharel is Yah's firstborn. It is this genetic code, this DNA, that is transferred and those who retain its DNA in the 144,000 
are those who are sealed. So when you look at that, listen for just one second here. Just a second. What, what am I doing? Hold on here. Let me load this up. And let's go to the book of Revelation. Revelation 7. Now listen to this language. It says, and I heard the number of them which were sealed. And it was 144,000 of all the tribes of Israel. Okay, so you have a question there. Are we talking about the number of people that were sealed? Or are we talking about the people, the number of the people that were sealed? So X is the number of the people that were sealed. Okay. Now, is this, are we counting the people or are we counting their number? These people have the number 144K. Well, how many of them are there? Are there 144,000? Well, no. He said, okay. Oh, just a minute. Verse 9. And this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palms in their hands. These people who had the 144,000. So yes, what you're saying is this genetic code was predestined. A predestined genetic code that goes all the way back to Adam. Because there's nothing in the genetic code in a Y-DNA sequence, unless it's mutated, that's different from Adam forward. That's why you can tell who your parent was through the Y-DNA, right? The Y-DNA, the male DNA. So as mm -hmm. a consequence, all this Y-DNA coming down through these 12 tribes is all found in Adam initially. Okay. With that being said, I'm going to stop the share here. So at any rate, so this is a very good point. That's a very good point, right? So we talk about this genetic side of things, we begin to see that uh, the purity, what, what I think the discussion is so important about this passage in Revelation 7, is that he's talking about the purity of his people. They would have 144,000. They wouldn't have some other number, like 216,000, like we see with the triple helix. Yeah, we were we were paying attention when uh, when you spoke about this a couple of weeks back about uh, calculating the number of the beast, and that's really what sparked our interest. Seeing all those numbers together and how they fit, and and uh, kind of exposing that one hundred forty four thousand being the genes. Um, and my wife, I don't know exactly how she does it, but she uses a concordance, and uh, she went through all the tribes and she went to all the reference points in those, and then. Uh, wrote it all out in chronological order, and it actually made a very interesting uh, message for us that uh, I, I just was so flabbergasted that uh, it, even, it even came out with this. And I'll have to better explain the way she does it, but uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd, I'd like to read it. Sure. Okay, so this is from Revelation 7, and it starts, The body rolled together with a powerful and mighty strength, twisting together, held by lintel and pilasters of strong support. God gives his people the name of Jacob to have power and prevail as princes. 
by charge and dominion through his hands, his handiwork and his labor. He has put his ministry in order within our parts. He is within all. With your hand held out, you must confess, praise, give thanks, cast out grief and sorrow, and celebrate his receiving open hand, the hand of creation. The sons of God are the people, man, and are valiant. There are also those of the tumultuous one. Man builds his people with father, son, grandson. He builds homes, gathers together, then gathers in troops, attacks, invades, and overcomes and go forward in honesty and prosperity and happiness. My wrestling son of Jacob, Nathalem, your struggle will be more morally tortuous. You are twined and bound with your unsavory self, causing to forget being led astray, deluded and seducted. The forgetfulness will cripple you to oblivion. But if you can hear intelligently with obedience and attentively call and gather together to consider carefully and diligently, then we share, then share what you have found, proclaim it, publish the report, and whoever heareth it or is witness to it shall have, shall have understanding. But to unite and join thyself with the borrower, remaining attached with the wreath of the serpent, this constellation of the dragon and the sea monster with the symbol of Babylon will only lead you to mourning the Israelites. He will bring reward to the armor bearer those able to bear go on help hold up be honorable forgive marry obtain pardon raise up and lift up others a violent uprising or rebellion could lead you astray mentally and delude you morally through the great seduction of usury the illegal action of practice the practice of lending money at an unreasonably high rate of interest the exalted one, a king or sheik, will rise up from the midst and will also reward you. Surely, if you hire yourself out to him, you will become tipsy and with his stimulating drink, drunk and merry as compensation and reward. But this is a potion you are made to drink. Uh, sorry, one second here. Uh, where did it go here? Okay, here we go. Uh, you are made to drink and will be absorbed and assimilated within your body habitations enclosed the result is a fuller form fuller form of the son of jacob by letting him add or augmenting and making longer and more of you a new conception by joining more and making longer the form of man it proceeds to prolong made and make you stronger but yet you are made to surrender our father, our brothers, our people, our sons, our grandsons, the age of affliction has begun. Sons of God's right hand, take his side and find prosperity. Yeah, now how was this, this uh, arrived at? So I think my wife is listening. I hope she jumps in here at, at some point because she can, I've asked her three times to explain it and I, I never seem to grasp it entirely. But uh, just a second here. Um, so I know she went through the, the 12 tribes. She's here now. Okay, so this was, this was, hi, that was, that was a very great thing to put together. Did you, did you put this together by assimilating uh, a research into the tribes? Is that where this came from? Um, so I took 
the passage in Revelation. I have to think I have to stand a little bit farther. Yeah, we can undo. Maybe I can do it on my anyways. I um in Revelation, I didn't know he was gonna read that to everyone, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but there's um there's a passage that um it goes into the the names that make up the 144,000. And it's not in the order that the people were born. So right. I thought it was very interesting. So I went to the um, Strong's and I looked at the root meaning of each name and where it goes back. And then what I do is I write down every single word that is um, referenced in Strong's, but then also words that are similar. So with that could have been misdrawn in any way and I write the meaning down and then I put it all in chronological order and for some reason how it reads it always reads out like a sentence whenever I do that so I don't write any of my own words I just write the exact words down that are in the definition in the back and it comes out with a message and I've done it a couple of times for different things and I don't know well, this is an incredible message that you put together here. It's absolutely quite, quite stunning. It's, and it's, in, it's, it's not me though. It's in the, it's in the definition in the back. Yeah, it's like, in the text, right? Yeah. And, but, and, you know, I, I, by the way, where are you guys? We're on our farm. <laughs> Which is where, where is it located? Uh, Quinnell in British Columbia. Oh yeah. Quinnell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know that country. We're working on renovating our, our, house right now because it's kind of falling apart and stuff. <laughs> it's a project well you know it's maintenance time right yeah there's yeah. two seasons up here winter and maintenance right now you're in maintenance yeah um well what i would say is that i mean yeah i understand where you're coming from and how you did this kind of a chuck missler kind of approach <clears throat> but i think it's really quite good because it's stunning when you start talking about uh the heritage you start talking about the heritage of what's coming in this dna and what we see is you know there's a book called the 12 the testaments of the 12 patriarchs that is a fantastic book as well and uh, uh that also gives this illustration of the same kind of personality you're talking about here so what we would see is is that this genetic propensity of yasharel is laid out in that sentence again and yeah i mean you know i don't know if there is a place where you can publish that so we can see it but um, it would be quite interesting to see that happening. It took me like a whole day of writing it down too. It's not a, it's not a quick process to go because I have to look back into the meaning and I don't speak Hebrew or Greek. So it takes me quite a long time to really look into it. But I think it's like what someone who spoke earlier said, like the, it's the living word that's in the Bible. And yeah, it's very inspired. It's very inspired what you're, what you're, what you're giving there. And I think it's a very good interpretation. That's why I'd, I'd like to see it in print so it can be studied a little bit more. But is anyway. She on the, is she in the Telegram group? Yeah, are you know. part of We just joined a few months ago, and I'm going back and listening to all of the, the Sabbath meetings now and everything. So we're just kind of learning about this group and all of this community. So I would love to join the Telegram group as well. If you can join the Telegram group, you can post it there. Okay. In the, yeah. um, and, if, uh, and I don't know if we have anybody who can put instructions here in the chat, but if you look in the chat for this program, you'll see the instructions as to how to get into the Telegram group. 
or you can go to Sefer Academy. We have instructions there as to how to get in the Telegram group. The, the Telegram group is Sefer Shabbat Group. That's the name of the Telegram channel. And so, yeah, if you if you can join that channel, then you can post that writing. It'd be very good to have that writing down so we can study it. Okay. By the way, what's your what's your name? I'm Kirsten, and this is and this, Joe. I'm Josiah. Yeah. <laughs> Josiah, okay. Well, blessings to you guys. Glad you're with us. And thank you for sharing this today. It's very, very, um, I think it's very uh, instructive. We get an idea of what we're talking about. We start talking about that DNA, right? Mm-hmm. Very good. It's very good. Okay. All right. Well, blessings to you. And, uh, and you know, I've been up there in Quinnell. That's, that's the last turf before you hit the, where the road goes nuts into the far north, right? It's yeah. at Prince George, and then you get to Quinnell. And then once you leave Quinnell, we used to have a place we used to go to up there. I forget the name of the place, but they had a um, they had a Swiss mushroom burger that was up there. I don't know, it was maybe a hundred miles north of Quinell up there on the way up the Alcan, and they had the best burger on the Alcan. I don't remember the name of the place? But we stopped there every time we drove the Alcan. <laughs> white spot. <laughs> white spot up in the road, right? It was great. Yeah. We had we had our traditions. You know, we had to stop at Laird River for the hot springs. You know, we had to stop for the hamburger. And, at, I forget the name of the place. I have to remember it. And then, of course, we'd go into White Horse. You know, we'd have to go into White Horse. You know, but uh, anyway, the Alcan has changed. But hey, your your farm looks wonderful. Blessings to you guys. I'm glad you're with us. Thanks, and don't be afraid Thank to share you. next week. And if you can join the Telegram group and post that, it would be wonderful. Yeah, I'm gonna do it right away. Okay. 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 All right. Thanks, Josiah. Thanks, Kirsten. We'll see you next time. Okay, John Barr. How are you, brother? Yo, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Yeah, I was just listening to um, this uh, sister Dabari that has a toxic problem in her plants and yard. Um, I got a message for her. I've got a, a problem like that, and I looked up on the internet and did some research. There's a there's some biodegradable material that you can get and put on a yard that's been sprayed with something you don't like, you may suspect you, you know, it'll get into your plants or vegetables and it will eat the toxin. It will totally devour the, any toxic material in the soil and the plants and everything. Uh, you know, they have, this, they have this bacteria that eats oil for oil spills. I mean, I may not be saying it right, but that's basically what it does. Um, so there's something out there. Um, and I'm going to get some. I, I just went on and looked to find that if it exists, and it does. So, Sister Dabari, if you're listening, you may check with your local nurseries or somebody like Tractor Supply or go online and look for um, biodegradable anti-toxic kinds of material for for detoxing your yard yeah that's a, that's great information john that's great information i think yeah, we all need to look at, yeah we you've got to find it because detoxifying we know we detoxify our bodies and we do need to detoxify our gardens as well it's a very important well, part. another thing some real estate uh people know about this too because if you're buying a property and you suspect it's been sprayed with something, you can have somebody go in there and check that out and then put on this other material that will detoxify anything that's there. So 
Yeah, you're talking about like maybe the, the, the property's been hit with Roundup or you know something like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agent Orange. <laughs> Agent Orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah, we, you know, had to get rid of some of that somewhere else in the world. <laughs> well, thank you, John. I appreciate your I appreciate your assistance. Thank you. Yeah, much. that's for Sister Debari. Thank you. <laughs> Debari is going to join us for just one second. Thank so. you. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's go to Joy. Joy, how are you? I'm doing good. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. I've really been enjoying your programs. And on your Thursday program, you know, you said, I hope you all don't forget about me. It's going to take me four weeks to write down everything you said. And you wrote because you didn't take a breath. But anyway. I didn't have a chance, Joy. There was a 50 slide. That was a 50 slide presentation. And there was even more to, that I wanted to add. I left stuff out. and was like, eh, well, I can't add that. I don't have the room to do it. I wrote, but it was awesome. But I wanted to say a couple things. I, you were talking about um, the Ruach, Ruach of Kodashim coming in 2008. And it's interesting you say that because that's when I started. And of course, I've gone through many ways because I've done it online. And um, you have by far helped me the most, but have you heard of executive order 14067? Yes, I have. Do you think that will um, happen and then we won't be able to buy or sell because you have a contractual agreement? And of course there's gonna be restrictions. Like, you know, they're making this new jab now that's gonna take care of quote, quote, all the viruses. <laughs> yeah, the last one was safe and effective. This one should be just a real uh, right over the top oh, yeah. doodad, right? Yeah. Right. Well, you know, but, I mean, look, I mean, I, I, I love it. You know, the thing is, we have to encourage the Moderna lawsuit against Pfizer. You know, I, those guys really just need to duke it down, spend every last dime they have in court fighting out over who has the rights to that mRNA. I think it's a very important thing. Uh, but no, I mean, when all this stuff that's being proposed by the United States government, you know, they have all these draconian things as we enter into, you know, techno-fascism in full bloom, which is really what it is, techno-fascism. All this stuff is going to fail. It's going to fail. I mean, because the whole system is going to fail. This thing is going to pancake. There are people talking about right now that it could pancake on Yom Teruah this year or the later expression of Yom Teruah, depending on whether or not you believe this is the 13th month year or not. Uh, because if we have the later start in the year, that'll take us to October 25th. But people are talking, I mean, some of the some people in the prophetic world are saying, this is an absolute pancake. It's going to be a face plant on the ground. There's not going to be anything left. There won't be a Wall Street left. There won't be a dollar left. There won't be, you know, you have, what you have going here is you have this, you have an amount of debt that's been created, Joy. 30 trillion is just the cash flow debt. That's not the total debt. That's just the cash flow debt. When you bounce into the unfunded liabilities, that's at least another 78 trillion. Oh yeah, and we're the land of plenty and we started borrowing. That was our biggest mistake. Well, we, we, you know, at some point we were the land of plenty. We're not anymore. Right no. now, we're, we're, we're living on fumes. I mean, let's face it. 
the average young person knows how to use their phone. They don't know how to do anything else. I mean, I can tell you that when it comes to like electricians, the electricians are few and far between. You can't find them. And there's, and particularly high voltage electricians, you know, the guys that can put in, you know, serious, you know, 2,400 KV coming into a building or something like this. They're so few and far between. You're talking less than a handful in the big states, less than a handful in the big states, because it's something that's not terrible. How about, how about making steel? Who knows how to do that? How about making rubber? Who knows how to do that? How about making electronics? Who knows how to do that? No one in the States knows how to do that. The information is all vanished and nobody wants to do any job other than being a software programmer for a video game manufacturer. The kids don't want to do anything. They don't want to do anything else. They want to play video games. They don't want to do a single thing else. Nothing else. That's what my grandson is doing. My grandson-in-law is actually helping with um, making games. Yeah, well, you that's know, what I'm yeah, telling you. I mean, this yeah. is this is where the world this is what the world has gone to. And so, when you talk about Americans, what are Americans good at? Making a burger. That's what Americans <laughs> are good at. I mean, we, you got to bet there are some killer burgers out there. I mean, we got a we got a burger place up here in Wasilla that's got a hamburger that's ready to knock you dead. Right, it's one of the best burgers going. But but that's what we do is we make a hamburger. What else do we do? What else do we do? You know, we don't. We've lost all of the skill set that we had. You know, we went to a car show up in Fairbanks here last weekend. There's a car museum up there that is next, second to none in the world, second to none. And we went into this museum and I was looking at some of the cars that were manufactured in the United States between 1907 and 1940 is what they had on display. And some of those vehicles, I mean, you look at them and you just go, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, they're just outrageous with tuck and roll leather interiors and, you know, these, you know, all brass uh, headers and all brass piping going into the engines and so forth. Now they were highly inefficient. I mean, we saw one engine that was 837 cubic inches that was producing less than 100 horsepower. Right. That's that's highly inefficient. Very inefficient. But right. nonetheless, I mean, the, the I mean, like I saw a 1932 Cadillac that was just over the top beautiful, or 39 uh, a 39 um, Hudson, incredible. Just incredible. And, you know, I'm looking at this technology that we used to build and these magnificent machines we used to build. Can we do that today? Oh, no. Our version of a great car is the K car. You know, slap a box together, slap it over a frame and call it a day. So, you know, all I can tell you is that when you look at this side of things, Joy, we've gotten to a point where uh, we've reached the end. We've reached the end. And I would like to say that we haven't, you know, but I don't know that I want to say we haven't or not. I mean, how much more debt do you think we can ring up before the rest of the world says you guys have gone too far? Really? We we have the single largest debt of any nation in the history of the world at any time ever. Under all the history of mankind, no one has amassed a larger debt than we have. No one. And so what is yeah, Biden's spending so much. I mean, we're imploding. We don't need to have a war, except I know a civil war is probably coming because we're just totally imploding. But on my last comment, do you know when the jab first came out, me and my sisters, before we did any research, we knew it was wrong. Yeah. Just intuitively, I don't know if it was the Holy Ruach or what, 
It absolutely is. It absolutely is. The rock came, you know, this is when the shofars began to sound in the heavens and people were being called out. I can't tell you how many testimonies I know of people who began being called out in 2008. That's when it happened. That's when things started to turn, you know, right. that's because the, the age of iniquity ended. So, yeah. So there we are. Well, I'm glad to hear it's going to take you four weeks to get the notes caught up. Yeah, we'll have a blessed trip and we will all be praying for you because we want you back here. Well, thank you, Joy. Thank you. With you yet. Thank, thank you, sister. Thank you. And my pray, you know, may Yab also bring me back, you know, by his will. We will right. You and your wife. Okay. Thank you, Joy. Thank you. Okay. Angela, how are you, sister? Shabbat Shalom. I'm doing good. Um, hey. I wanted to say you were so right about losing knowledge. My husband is a um, Navy nuclear um, auditor uh, and the company he works for is the last company that makes custom made motors um, from small to large. And they've lost so many people who had the knowledge of how to build these motors and the newer people that are coming in, they don't even have trainers that can train them properly on how to put the wires in or how to build these motors. And they cannot keep the knowledge in stock. They just can't keep it. They can't keep the people. My husband's been there for 15 years and he's just watched this company go down the drain. Uh, it was Baldor and now it's eight bit was bought out by ABB. Um, but I mean, it's just sad to see everyone retiring and the knowledge going with them. They're trying to get people to, to write down their knowledge. They're trying to videotape it, but they're just not getting to them fast enough. And they're losing the knowledge on how to build these motors. Yeah. I mean, it's just, this is what is so sad about it is that these skill sets you know, in the scripture, it says, trust the hoary head, right? Mm -hmm. or, or give reverence to the hoary head, the gray head. Well, we don't do that anymore. I mean, young people don't, don't, you know, they don't want to hear from old people at all. It's like, you guys are the problem. You guys created the mess. You're everything that's wrong in the world. And so they don't take the training. There's no apprenticeship going on. So people are not taking the training. And I suppose we've kind of failed, dropped the ball, many of us who know what we're doing, in failing to mentor the younger people with what we know, something we should be doing is mentoring, you know, like I have the, I have the joy of um, doing um, uh, woodwork and, you know, my dad taught me woodworking skills, you know, and, and uh, so I like doing woodwork and my grandsons and my sons like to join me in doing woodwork. It's one thing they like to do. Let's build something, dad. Yeah. Okay. And I don't, you know, you forget how much there is to learn about the nuance of running a skill saw or running a table saw or running a drill press or running a sander, or, you know, running a router or whatever, you know, running a dado blade, you know, these kinds of things that go into uh, the subtleties of woodwork. And uh, unless we teach, the next generation won't know. And that's really the bottom line. Unless we teach, the next generation won't know. And this is part of the reason why, I mean, you know, like right now my schedule is nuts because I'm teaching too much. But I need to share whatever it is that I know as in many ways as I possibly can to get it out to as many people as I can while I can, because soon my mouth will be quiet and that'll be that. So I'm doing what I can, but it's incumbent upon all of us with the skill set we have.
to look around you to see who you can mentor. It's part of being a responsible adult. See well, we're, very, we're very grateful for your teaching. I will say my husband has worked in every single department at this company, and he did get our grandson in there. Um, he's starting at, you know, the, the very beginning, uh, the, but he has brought him in there and he's sharing his knowledge with him um, and, and teaching him how um, to, to do the motors and do it more efficiently than say, even the trainers are teaching them. So he's doing that. That's so, fantastic. Yeah, That's great. That, that is amazing. I have another quick question and a prayer request. My second question is, when will the large print millennial edition be in stock? Because that's what I'm waiting for. I'm too blind oh, yeah. to see the small print. Well, I'll tell you, we, we, we printed it in Britain and it was shipped and it's and it's arrived in L.A. And that's what I know, Angela. When is it going to get here? We don't know. They can okay. do whatever they want with it. They can sit it, leave it on the ship for, for six weeks. They can put it in a, one truck, two trucks, three trucks. We've had the books be shipped all over the country before they finally arrive at our warehouse. But the books have arrived in L.A. That's all I can do. For the time being, that's all I've got for you. Okay. Okay. And my prayer request is for my daughter, who's who's very sick. Um, she's bedridden and she's TPN dependent. Um, so all of her nutrition comes through her IV. Um, and we're having a difficult time getting her vitamins and nutrition um, that we add to her TPN because there's a nationwide shortage. And the whole point of the TPN is to keep her uh, where she is not malnourished. Uh, yeah, and of course support. there's a nationwide shortage on everything now. Yeah. And it's an intentional shortage. Yeah, that's- Okay, what's, my... your, what's your daughter's name, Angela? Her name is Lauren. Lauren, well, let's pray for her right now. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we come together as a group to lift up Lauren in prayer to you now, Father. We want to pray that your blessing would be upon her, that you would cover her now, Father, and that you would bring not only the provision she needs to keep her life sustained, but also that you would bring healing and that you would bring her to new alternatives that are going to be even more effective than what she is currently relying upon. Father, we pray your blessing, your mercy would be upon her and Angela and her family. We lift this in the name of Yahusha. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Okay. Chris, how are you, brother? Shalom, Doc. Very well, thank you. And shalom to everybody. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to just come back to the Torah portion. Yeah, sure. Um, Go ahead. And I think it's, 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 it's pretty much pertinent to what we were talking about. So in Isaiah 60, I mean, obviously, we know it's Yahusha that they're talking about. Well, that Isaiah is talking about. However, there is a secondary prophecy of, I believe, those who are in him. And um, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of Yahweh has risen upon you. But then verse 2, it says, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness the people, but Yahweh shall rise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And to me, to me, that's just a beautiful um, promise, if you will, um, that that uh, those that are in Him um, are blessed. Those that remain in Him, and as you rightfully said, 
don't believe the lie. You know, don't believe the lie that the whole world is under the spell of lies. Sorry, does somebody want to say something? Yeah, what are you saying on this, Chris? That the you know don't believe the lie that the whole world is under the spell of lies. Are you saying that? Yeah, is in a other lie? words, in, a, in other words, the 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 media, the media, the um, the lies that are perpetrated upon us by uh, the powers that shouldn't be. Um, you know, uh, the the rumors of wars, the um, the, 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 the rumors of all these illnesses, the rumors of we've got to bow down to Big Pharma, um, all these things, you know, and, and, and as, uh, who was it now? It was uh, Joy, I think, that said that, you know, th her intuition, which is obviously the Ruach working in it, to say, you know, this is nonsense. The, this jab is nonsense and i think that's exactly what it means you know yah will keep you yah will hold you if you just remain in it yeah and he will also lead us into truth and this is the thing that i think why remember the great delusion in second thessalonians i will give you into a great delusion because you have not loved the truth whereas if we are called to love the truth then the delusion does not come upon us. And now, of course, I mean, I, I mean, I just have to tell you, I'm just absolutely flabbergasted, Chris, that the CDC, that all of those people have not been arrested and put into prison for the rest of their life. I mean, they're admitting. They're, you know, Berks has come out and said, we knew all the time we didn't have the numbers to justify a pandemic. We had to put the PCR test out there, which was fake and fraudulent, in order to call this a pandemic, because there was no pandemic. We didn't have the numbers. Yep. We hadn't even isolated yep. the virus. Now they're admitting, well, social distancing didn't work. Masks didn't work. Lockdowns didn't work. Uh, uh, quarantines didn't work. And ultimately, the jab was not safe and effective. The VAERS site itself, the vaccine you know, uh, uh, adverse event reaction site, it tells you there's about 3.9 million people who have died from the jab. Exactly. And about another 10 million that are injured. Yeah. That's yeah. in the U.S. alone. It's about 4.6 million in Europe that have died from the jab. Now, how do you yeah. use the term safe and effective when you're talking about that kind of a number? Yeah. Now there's a That's CDC beautiful. whistleblower that just published yesterday and she's coming out and saying, you know, if you took something other than the placebo as a jab, you have anywhere from three months to three, uh, three months to three years to live. That's shocking. Yeah, that's shocking, Doc. You know, and uh, so, so, so that's what I mean, right? Is is those that are in Yahweh, those that are seeking Him, and you know, there's. Look, I think in every group, there are those that are sitting in the fence, and it could be for this group as well. But, um, and, and my, my, uh, my words are not of any um, condemnation or anything like that. It's actually just uh, is, is to encourage. We've got to live in his way, and we've got to find his way. And it's not good enough to say, yeah, but, you know, we listen to Dr. Pigeon once a week 
or we uh, we 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 in the Sabbath group. It, it, it's really, do we use the name of Yahweh? Do we believe in Yahusha? And the most the one of the most things is the Ruach Elohim, as far as I'm concerned, because the Ruach Elohim is the power that Yah gives us to live in His way, and um, it's not the spirit of God. And and you know, it, it freaks me when people use that because you know the Holy Spirit. I mean, it, it just we've got to understand. We've got to get to a deeper understanding of who He is. So that we can live in that truth, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I agree with that, Chris. And it's part of the, you know, the idea of what we're seeing in the Torah portion today is to walk in his paths, to guard and to keep and to do his judgment and commandments. I mean, this is the way of Yasharel. And, you know, and the problem for most of us is that we can say, okay, well, I'm willing to do that. Well, now the question is, what are they? Yeah. We say, I'm willing to do that, but do we know what they are? What are they? How do we deal in this world? You know, I, I keep thinking about it all the time. I think about, you know, I go to bed at night thinking about this. I wake up in the morning thinking about this. That when we're talking about trying to restore righteousness in the society, for instance, in my opinion, <clears throat> The American Medical Association should be criminalized. The Food and Drug Administration should be defunded and shut down entirely. The CDC should yeah. be closed. You said, you guys have created, you've committed crimes in what you've done in this last four years. And as a consequence, you're going to be closed. And the, the, uh, and the NIH, the National Institute for Health, should be closed. The WHO should be defunded and closed, banned, criminalized. You're not, you cannot participate anywhere in our nation anymore. You can't come. None of you who work for the WHO nor any of your offices are allowed in our country at all. You can't come in here at all. You're completely banned. You're cut off. If you step into the into our country, we're going to arrest you for the criminal acts you perpetrated and you're going to prison. And I mean, yeah. these are the kinds of things that I think have to be done. There's, I mean, you show me where the word vaccinated appears in scripture. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's and just I mean, not you know, there. It's uh, never been talked about yeah. as, as a remedy for mankind. 100%. And then we get Fauci having a golden handshake. You know, he's now retired. And oh, my goodness, what a, wonder, what a wonderful guy. Uh, I mean, that's just so sick, isn't it? Yeah, the damage he did. And there's, and there's no accountability for any of that, right? You just get to call somebody. You, get to, you know how many people he told were non-essential? You're non-essential. <laughs> Your business yeah, really. is non-essential. Your company's non-essential. Your income is non-essential. Your family is non-essential. Your relationships are non-essential. Your employees are non-essential. Your contribution to our economy is non-essential. Yeah. That's what they said. And, you know, <clears throat> yeah, and, and, and Doc, you know, if you take that, just that, and then you take it against the Tendeverim, it, it breaks almost all of them down to zero. Because if you're non-essential in your work, then you don't need stuff. You can do whatever you want. You know, it's just, you, you become useless, hopeless. Yeah, useless and hopeless. And then now they're shocked 
when they have suicide rates going through the ceiling. Number one cause of death in young men and young women in the United States is suicide. Number one cause of death. Suicides went up 400% in the U.S. military, right? And, and so you have now they have a situation. I mean, anytime you try to go to a restaurant now, anywhere in Alaska anyway, you walk in, gee, I'm sorry, your food isn't going to be served here for an hour or an hour and a half. Why? But we have one cook. We have one waiter. Why? Because people didn't come back to work. People didn't mm -hmm. come back. After we were no longer yeah. deemed non-essential, they all went and found other jobs that were not quote unquote non-essential and they don't work here anymore. So now you can't find anybody. And now they've got a problem. They can't find people to fill these jobs. People will not take them. I'm, not, I'm sorry, I'm not coming in. I'm not going to work. I'm going to do something else. They've created a socialist expectation. And so all of this happened by this idea of delineating between essential and, and who's essential. Government jobs are all essential. They're, every government job is parasitic in nature. Yeah. It doesn't produce a thing. It takes the production of someone else to keep itself going. It's parasitic in nature. Yes. And they deemed themselves essential, and the producers who were actually producing an economy were deemed non-essential. Well, congratulations. Yes. Now look where they are. They've created a catastrophic, totally collapsing society. They've created a catastrophic, totally collapsing financial system. And, and, and they can't figure out how to cure it. Well, guess what? You're the one who poisoned the water. So and what does Yah say? Yah, you know, this is why I'm saying that when we talk about the Torah, we're talking about learning the Torah and following the Torah to do his command statutes and judgments. What are they? What are they? Mm. And that's the big question. And we need to know those. And we, when we get farther and farther into the nuances, it becomes Im imperative for the student to know the difference between what we call a tort, which is a civil wrong, compared to mm. a crime, which is a criminal wrong, right? Mm. Mm. Under, under the common law ideas, that is to say, under scriptural ideas. And scripture is clear. This constitutes a crime that's worthy of punishment. This constitutes a tort which requires compensation. There's right. a distinguishment between negligent uh, acts and intentional acts inside the Torah. Right. And then, of course, you have nuances which govern uh, the agricultural practices that are set forth. Like, for instance, a tree is not to be eaten from for three years, right? Yeah. yeah. The practice of how you clean a house. I mean, all of these kinds of things are given to us, and they're given to us in Scripture, for our instruction and their, their primary models that we can see upon which we can build a, a, a meaningful and scripturally related set of laws. And to, yeah. to come out and say, well, we're going to hit you with an income tax. There's no income tax in scripture. We're going to hit you with a property tax. There's no property tax in scripture. There is a head tax. There's the half shekel for anybody who's 20 years of, of age and older. What about the idea of a bankruptcy every seven years? This used to be the bankruptcy law in the United States that you could, if you needed to, declare bankruptcy, which means what? It comported with the scriptural edict that in the seventh year, all sins are to be given, to be forgiven, but, or all debts, but it did not comport with scripture in the respect that scripture had an ongoing seven-year pattern. Mm. This is year one, that's year seven. 
and you and it was Hillel the Elder during the rise of Babylonian Talmudism that you see the creation of the fiscal year, because the Torah says you loan to him in the sixth year, even though that debt can be forgiven in the seventh. You need to loan to him in the sixth year. The day before the sixth year expires, you need to loan to him. And in the seventh year, he could he could say, oh, adios. Hillel said, we'll solve that. We'll make it a fiscal year. The year you loan to him is your year one, right? Mm. That's what they did. That contradicted the Torah. So these are the kinds of things that have to be rooted out of the Torah. So we see the foundation of the law. And things that are anathema to it have to be stricken from the code. If it yeah. doesn't exist in scripture, it shouldn't be around at all. Yeah. And, that, you know, that Doc, and that's the nice thing about, you know, uh, this, this study group or this uh, group and, and all the other groups. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Is we're seeking out. We, we're seeking him out. We're seeking Yahusha out in this, in this truth. And when we seek him, we will find him. So, you know, we've got to carry on seeking and seeking and seeking. And, and, you know, for me, and I'm not saying I am any better than anybody else, but I'm starting to see now after a few years of living in this way or trying to aspire to live in the correct way, you start seeing other truths that Yah starts showing you. For example, the seven days of creation. You know, and I was thinking about this this morning. We were talking about this, Melissa and I. Is if you're an artist, for example, or uh, you know, a writer, or a or a or a painter, or whatever you are, um, you create something that's within you. You don't create something that you know in, within your thoughts, within your means, within what what you are, for example. And I look at that and I see the creation, the seven days of creation. And I see, well, this is Yah expressing himself to create this whole thing, which we call heavens and earth. And we live on this. So what does he do on the seventh day? He creates the Shabbat day of rest because that's in him, because he wants us. To have, he's a jealous owl. He wants us to have this day to himself. And I, you know, so, so when we go against that, then we go again, going against something that Yahweh has placed there for us to enjoy with Him. And I think that's a very important point uh, of creation. And and if we don't worship him in the way that he has ordained, then we must be careful that we're worshiping another Yah. Yeah, and if we are, we become a cancerous cell to the body. You know, if you look at it, if you know what you're saying is all of creation is his expression. And when you see that, let us create man in our image and likeness. This means that we are totally integrated into the expression, the personality, the character, the, the traits, the, 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 everything that is Yahweh, we're directly connected into that. For us to yes. follow another Yah or to reject his teaching is for us to say, look, I don't want to be, you know, it's like you being a cell in, or an organ inside your body and say, I don't want to be in this body anymore. I want to be in that guy's yes. body. 
I want to be over here. I want to, I want to be on my own. I want to be an independent stomach that lives over here. Right. I mean, you know, and what you're doing is you're casting yourself into death because you're casting yourself out of his integration. Yes. Because he says, he says the whole, you know, the whole of creation shows the glory of Yah. Right. So, if the whole of creation shows his glory, it means that he, there's a creator, there's somebody there. So that means that when you lust after somebody else's stuff, you're going against what he has done. You know, so it, 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 there's, a, there's an order of, um, uh, well, there's Yah's order in this whole hierarchy of oaths and of, um, creation that he has put there for a purpose because it goes it, it'll it'll always point back to the creator yeah 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 i agree with that yeah and i think yeah. that's basically where our torah portion was going here today you know <coughs> and yeah i just wanted to point out chris that when we talk about today's torah portion that there is trouble coming on the earth. And I just want to, you know, warn this group. There's trouble coming on the earth like never seen before. I mean, this is going to be much worse than the depression of the 1930s. It's going to be much worse than the troubles leading into World War II. This is going to be a period of extremeness, extreme difficulties and extremeness like we haven't seen before. And, you know, our approach to this needs to be one of a heart of thankfulness for where we are in this world have a heart of thankfulness, have a heart of peace and joy, a heart of thankfulness. And from there, we must, the affirmative act we must take is to come forward into his judgments, his commands, his statutes, and his ways, and to do so out of love for him with a zealousness, with all our heart, with all, all our soul, with all our mind. This is what we need to do. We need to carry ourselves this way. And by doing so, this Our lives okay. will be filled with the beauty of Yah. It will be filled with the beauty of Yah. It will not be filled with fear and trepidation and worry and, you know, mm -hmm. and running and all this mm -hmm. other stuff. It just won't be filled with that. And mm -hmm. so just keep that in mind. So if hardships come to you, keep in mind that Yah has something in mind for you, something beautiful in mind for you. Okay? Yes. The, the steadfastness overrides the chaos. It overrides the steadfastness of the three-strand cord override, that, that, that has the anchor behind the veil, overrides everything that the usurper can try to put into this creation of Yahweh that is going to try and harm us. And, and that even extends to death. It even extends to the point of absolute tyranny, because if we are in Yahweh, we, we are in a safe place. And when we're in a safe place, him by the Ruach Elohim will keep us in right standing with him. And that is the safest place that we can ever be in. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's right. So, right, so there's one more scripture. One more scripture I just want to bring up, and that's in the, the Gospel of Luke. And it's the last uh, verse that we read in 23, which is 56. 
and they returned. These are the these are the ladies, the women returned uh, and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Shabbat day according to the commandment. And 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 that was basically the culmination of this Sabbath reading, which brings us back then again to this day, and uh, and honoring it and 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 living in it because Yah gave it to us for us to find Him in, and to live in this precious um, covering, if you will, of. Uh, of of his of his commandments of his love. Agreed. So, agreed. Blessings. All right. Blessings. blessings Thank you, everyone. Chris. Thank you, brother. Okay. Okay, Murray. How are you, brother? I'm okay. Go. How are you? Now, hey, aren't you in? Aren't you in British Columbia yourself? Calgary, Calgary, actually. Oh, Calgary. Alberta. Okay, Alberta. Yeah. yeah. But like I was just, I just want to encourage everybody that's here uh, that I have found it's a simple understanding that the vessel is our body and the oil is his word, the Bible. And it goes through the eye gate. I've probably said this before, but it goes through the eye gate and it fills us with oil. And that's where we are protected the most. And that's where our understanding starts being in his word. Yeah. Amen. 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 I agree with that. But we and also have people such as yourself who have an ability to bring things to life. Well, I'll tell you, Murray, listen, where I'm concerned, you know, I'm just somebody who is Yah's vessel doing his work. It has, it's not about me at all. It's about Yah. It is not about me. Okay. And you guys, I just, I just want you to be very careful in understanding that. Okay, I'm just, all I am is just a guy doing the job that I'm supposed to do. It's not about, it's not about me. I didn't write a single word in the sefer. Yah wrote the sefer. I didn't write it. And you know, so I'm just trying to tell you what I find there. And so, uh, you know, just keep that in mind. Okay, it's th this thing is just not about me. Period. At I, all, it's not about. I understand me. that, but I, I also understand that. You put a lot of effort into this, a lot more than a lot of other teachers I've listened to, right? So all I'm saying is, thank you. <laughs> okay. Hey, oh, hallelujah. I'll take that. Thanks, Murray. I appreciate yeah. that. Good. Yeah. Okay. All right, brother. Do you have anything else for us? Nope. Okay. All right, Murray. Well, blessings to you. Blessings to our friends there in Calgary and some of my friends in Okotoks. They know who they are. You know Okotoks, Murray? What's that? You're, you're muted. Yeah, I got my last two vehicles from Okotoks. The second <laughs> one's exactly like the first one after I got it totaled on Deerfoot with me in it a couple Sorry of months ago. That. Sorry to hear that, brother. <laughs> oh, that hurt? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not good. <laughs> yeah, no, we love it up there, man. We went up, my wife and I went up there. We were up in, in Canmore and up in Banff, you know. Beautiful. And, uh, uh, it's so beautiful up there. That country is just magnificent. I mean, it's just magnificent. We love being up there. And we love our friends in Calgary. And uh, so blessings to you all. And, and uh, may, may the hand of the Ruach be upon those who live in Alberta. 
from the border all the way on up to Fort McMurray, but not any farther north than Fort McMurray because it's too cold up there. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. All right. Thanks much, Murray. Okay. Raina, how are you, sister? How are you, Dr. P? Hey, good, Raina. How are you? Good. Getting there. Better, better. Okay. Just wanted to say that you, you're you always talking about the responsibility of not teaching. We have, The ladies have also failed because we have not taught how to sew, how to mend, how to crochet. Yep. There's many things that, you know, that we and used the, to the wear. Skills, right? The skills of managing knitting, the house, right? Knitting, <laughs> you know, you need a sweater. You knit a sweater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do that anymore. Yeah, you know, my mother-in-law, um, before she passed away, you know, I went to her and I said, look, Audrey, I got to have a um, balaclava. You know, the balaclava, which is the... Yes, yes, I know. Uh-huh. Got to have a balaclava, but I need something that's out of muskox wool. Because mm-hmm. muskox wool is like four times warmer than regular wool, right? Mm-hmm. And so she tried to do it, but she couldn't do it because the muskox wool was too thin. So she bought some yarn that was a combination of muskox wool and regular wool that had been woven together. And she did knit me this balaclava that was made out of this wool. So presto, that thing is twice as warm as any other balaclava that I own. I can put that on, you know, and believe me, up here in the winter, you want to have something, you know, every, it's all about which is going to work. It's not like living in Florida, Raina. Where yeah. you know you guys are overheated by the time you put on your second shirt, you know here we have to. It's all about it's all about what kind of animal fur are you using to defend. I was talking with my dentist the other day. He was telling me he lived in Fairbanks for three years, and he said, "Look, the coldest I ever saw was seventy-one below zero. He said, "And you know, and I, but I made it a rule: I'm not going outside after fifty below, because after fifty below, you can't get warm." No matter what you wear, no matter what you're doing, you're not going to get warm in 50 below. It's not going to happen. You don't get warm. But I remember I lived in Fairbanks for a while, and I I walked to school, to elementary school at 55 below zero. Wow. And um, yeah, as long as there's no wind, you can do it. Any wind, you're dead. But no wind. Yeah. And of course, when I got to school that day, my fifth grade teacher took me in and she said, I need to warn you since you're walking to school. I said, well, I'm only walking three blocks. She said, well... I need to warn you that there are packs of wild dogs out here and you need to keep your eyes open for them because they run with the wolves and they will kill you. Mm. So this is, this is the life in Fairbanks, right? He told me he spent $500 one month, one month on heating fuel, one month. Wow. Wow. That was the good old days when oil was cheap too, right? That's (laughs) That's what they spend in Britain now every day, right? Okay, Raina, well, thank you for that. I mean, you're so right about that, that teaching, you know, and the skill yes. set that, yes. that, uh, that elderly women have. It's like, mm-hmm. like where we are now. I mean, you know, Stephanie is sharing with um, the gals in our fellowship here. And they have teachings for, well, here's how you make jams, you know, and here's how you make jams without, you know, pork less than being in the jam, right? And here's a, a, a healing balm that we make, and we make it this way. And here's how you can food and here's how you jar food and here's how you prepare food over the winter. 
And this is what a root cellar looks like. And this is how you handle the root cellar. This is how you clean potatoes. And this is how you take care of your garden. You know, all these things that these people know that for us is new information. Well, do it like this. Do it like this. Like I'm sure Josiah and Kirsten know these things where they're living there in Quinnell on the farm. But, you know, it, mm -hmm. these are all skill sets that you have to pick up. And they have to be taught. They have to be taught from generation to generation to generation to generation. You know, yes. like, for instance, my son-in-law, we came up, we were dropping timber last year for firewood. You know, there, you know, like one, like you just to give you an example, when you pull out a chainsaw, the average chainsaw accident, average chainsaw accident results in 110 stitches. Wow. Okay. Okay. So premise number one, when you're using a chainsaw is put on your chaps so that you don't rip your legs wide open. Premise number one, right? Premise number two, wear your heavy gloves, put your, your field glasses on. You're not going to get wood chips in your eyes. In other words, use some safety tips. You know, when you're right. doing this kind of stuff, these are the kind of things that it's just skills that are important, right? And so anyway, let's, get, let's think about that. And anybody who has questions like that, like how do you do these kinds of things, like sewing, like setting up a sewing machine, right? You know how to set up a sewing machine, Rena? Yes. You, you know how to how, how to tie the bobbin and all that and get that function? Yes. You know, yes. What I mean? yes. I have right. a sewing machine. Yeah, yeah. See? See? And, you know, and if, you, if you've never done that, the sewing machine might as well just be, you might as well have just brought in a piece of ribbon that you don't even know what it is. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you. All right, Raina. Well, thank you for that good tip, sister. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Okay. Okay. Have a, well, good, me... have a good trip. Uh, thank you, Raina. Appreciate that. And may Yah bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. And I'll be waiting for that uh, message. Okay. I will send it to you. Okay. Yaakov, how are you, my friend? Uh, good. Brother P, how are you? Very good. What's going on? Well, two quick questions. One is, um, is there a place that we can listen to the crossing over uh, teachings that that you've done that are just spectacular? Um, you know, we have, um, that's a really good question. We do have the videos. We have them archived. Um, and but we haven't, I don't think we've made them available. Now, what we are going to do is this, Yakov. We have Tina Agundes uh, has been preparing transcripts of the um, of those uh, videos. And mm. they're, they're transcripts that so it has the actual conversation that's going on and it integrates the PowerPoint. Eileen has also helped to integrate the PowerPoint into those transcripts. Now we've been talking about this. And we're going to make that available as a separate tab on the Sefer website. The transcripts will be available. I don't know what the tab's going to be called yet, but we just talked about this. Uh, Penny and I talked about this last week. We are going to make this available. So those transcripts will be available with the PowerPoint. And with, with the video? I think we're going to be able to merge them with the video too. Yeah, we do have the videos. We have them. We just have to be able to, you know, I just got, I've got to talk to Jonathan, you know, and see if we can get this all lined up to get this done. But this is the idea is to create a new tab where you can get the video and the transcript that has the PowerPoint integrated into the transcript. So okay. the, those transcripts are really well done. And I mean, I want to hand it to Tina Gundes who 
did these transcripts, I mean, she had the unfortunate job of having to listen to me, listen to me pray in Hebrew and all this other stuff. And she had to transcribe it mm. and she managed to pull it out. So, you know, kudos to her. So, uh, but at any rate, this is, um, uh, this is where we're going. So we will have those. Okay. 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 The other, the other thing, if I may, is um, I was hoping you might shed some light on what you define a called out believer and in relationship to people who have, who have given up their sovereignty, starting with their birth certificate. Oh yeah. Now, when you talk about the birth certificate and the sovereignty issue, I'll tell you, and here's my issue with this, Yako. Okay. Having done immigration law, mm -hmm. I can tell you that the one thing that you don't want to be in this world is a stateless person. There are stateless people, for instance, there are uh, stateless people in uh, Burma, what they call Myanmar now. And it's a group of people that there are, there are many missionary factions and other uh, NGOs that are over there working on a full-time basis, trying to get some kind of statehood people, some, some kind of statehood, no matter where that statehood might be, but try to get some kind of statehood status so that they can have passports and they can get out of the country because the leadership in Myanmar is just going up there and slaughtering them because they're non-human beings, because, because they don't have any kind of status. And you see this too in the United States. When a child is born without a birth certificate and certain agencies find out that that child doesn't have a birth certificate, they grab the child and traffic the child because there's no record of the child. And so- Well, I, I, I have plenty of children and- without birth certificates and I have multiple citizenships in multiple countries with all of them. And hmm. you can, you don't need a birth certificate. Well, hallelujah. You need yes. a record of birth. Right. A and record so, of birth. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. we can encourage people. And, I mean, I've walked into the immigration and they bring out, you know, six guys that are seven feet tall. Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. I want, again, I want it done by tomorrow. You know, you, you have to be, give them instruction, you know, but the reason why I bring up that one particular point is because we often are discussing a lot of things that the, being a federal, everybody is set up to be a federal citizen, not, not a stateless citizen, but, you know, it seems like you don't want to be a federal citizen because all these things that we're talking about are federal. And, and so you know, as an example, you know, the whole thing the WEF is doing, you know, they're, right. they're, they're piggy, piggybacking off of the federal citizenship ignorance of people of the world. And so, you know, and it, it, it's like um, as a group, uh, well, I would just use the Amish as an example where they have their own health insurance for their elderly. They don't go to Medicare for insurance. So they're not under the federal government for that. Okay. So right. I would and just throw this as out. A result, and, none of huh? them were taking, as a result, none of them took any of the jabs either. Right. That's true. That is yeah. true. And because um, they don't. And, and the other thing is, we talk about a vaccination, but we need to talk about the vaccination that our kids got 50 and 60 and 70 years ago. Did we let them get a vaccination back then? It's like we set them up to to get a vaccination, okay? Or, or you know, the, the big one is going to be this, is, is the derivatives. 
The big one is the whole reset derivative issue thing is is the biggie. And so that means, oh, yeah. you know, so that means do you have a signature card with a bank institution, with a federal institution? You should not. You need to move to a state chartered institution with state insurance, not federal insurance. There's there's a million things that you can do to avoid all these things that we're talking about hardships. Yeah. Well, you know, we, I was talking to David about this, you know, that I put together a book that um, allowed people to create their own, uh, you know, birth records, death records, marriage records, baptismal records, and records that were outside the state control entirely, which, of course, you can do. You know, people ask me all, all the time about what you can do on a birth certificate. Well, you can, you can create your own certificate of birth that is handwritten instead of, you know, in all cap letters. And when, once it's witnessed by two signatures, notarized and with an apostille. I'm very familiar. I use the apostilles very much. Yeah, the apostille makes it effective in every nation on earth, just exactly. like that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, you know, so we try, we've, we've tried to come forward with this stuff, but of course, you know, I mean, I've got my plate full with everything I'm doing, but. You know, when we talk about sovereignty, so this is something else, too. A lot of this, too, Yaakov, is going to be in the hands of Yah. Because Absolutely. He, he's moving his people where he wants to move his people and doing things with his people the way he sees fit. Some of us are called to, you know, give our lives in mission work. Some of us are called to rear a family. Some of us are called to lead a congregation. Some of us are called to spread a particular word. Some of us are called to spiritual insight. I mean, mm -hmm. We're called to different things, you know, mm -hmm. but I can tell you that um, in all of that, the, you know, this whole, uh, like, for instance, I'll give you an example. You cannot license that which you have a right to do. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, but the government has continually seen fit to issue licenses. Well, in order to do it, they criminalize what you otherwise have a right to do. Like, for instance, there's longstanding, I mean, there's got to be a thousand cases in U.S. law saying that you have a fundamental right to get married. But the state comes in and says, well, if you don't have a license for your marriage, you're breaking the law. You're breaking the law. You're committing a crime. Why did they make it a criminal act for you to be married outside of the state? Because they want to license you. So then they issue a license. Now, once they issue you a license, your marriage is created by their license, and as a consequence, they have jurisdiction over your divorce. Well, also, they have an assumption contract with the Child Protective Services over owning your children. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And, and they, won't, they won't ever disclose those contracts they're in. No, they don't. They don't disclose it. The fact that the, that the court judges are taking a kickback. Every time they issue a restraining order, they get $500 additional in their paycheck. Did you know that? They get a kickback from CPS. Oh, sure. Every time they put a child into foster care, they get a certain amount of money up per month. Every time they, when they take a child from the home, they start making something in the range of $1,500 a week for having that child removed from their parents. When they place the child into foster care, it goes to $39,000. Mm. Now, do you think they have a vested interest in doing this? Yeah, they're trafficking children all the time. And they're in contracts that they don't disclose. I know all of this stuff. I mean, I've seen it, right? 
But the thing is, is that we have a machinery that is eating up people and chewing them out and spitting them up. And what we need now is this, this is why this whole thing, this reset that's coming, they think they're going to reset and put themselves in further power. Instead, they're going to hit this reset and their world is going to look an awful lot like Dresden did in 1945. Okay. That's what it's going to look like. It's not going to look like them being in power. It's going to look like the road for most of them. So, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that, Yakov. And we will talk, you know, I know there's a lot of push in this community to talk about sovereignty and so on. Well, it's but- hard to talk about it on the air. I mean, I know an extreme lot myself. And I have, ex- I have incredible amount of, of examples and successes in, in all these but, things. Yeah, cool. But I can't talk some... about them on the air, okay? Right. Exactly. Of course not. Okay. So that's why we're going to have to, you know, uh, we're going to have to, you know, the, the main thing is first, before you do it physically, spiritually, you have to come out of Babylon. Spiritually, you have to come out of Babylon. And then, then we can talk about what's going to be, because for many of us, we're going to be kicked out of Babylon. I mean, that's what's going to happen. You're going to find Babylon was up one day and then down the next. In a single hour, its destruction comes. In a single hour, boom, it's gone. And then when it's gone, then what do you do? Well, for many people, it's going to be pure, unbridled anarchy. It's going unless to be, you're, unless you're try, completely set, set apart. Yeah, but I mean, they're going to try to call it civil war, but it's not going to be civil war. It's going to be pure anarchy. And in most of the big cities, particularly in the blue cities, Detroit, Chicago, New York, L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, Denver, it's going to be pure Atlanta, unbridled anarchy. That's well, you what better I, not be on mainland America, that's for sure. You better, you better not what? Be on mainland America. Yeah, mainland America is going to have its problems. It's, it's gone. Sure. It's, it's well, history. Yeah. Well, you know, again, you know, I mean, all I can say is that for many people, people that are in our fellowship here, mm-hmm. I have to recommend that Yah has, has you where he wants you for a reason. And for some people, you know, they're called to lead the lost, even in their hour of need, right? Even in their hour of destruction. So anyway, Yaakov, I appreciate your feedback on this issue. And, you know, we're going to continue. We'll be talking about this as kind of the emergent system. And again, when we talk about an emergent system, this is part of the reason we're talking about the Torah of Yah, because when Babylon completely fails, the question that's going to come up is, what do we do now? Well, we can, we can is, look at who's running the world, and we look at what mechanisms they're using to, to, to produce the, the funds and the monies. Uh, you take Soros as a currency trader, and you know it's where all the money is. It's a $5.3 trillion a day market. Sure, and so, but that is in fiat. And that fiat is what's okay. going to crash. Nothing wrong with fiat. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with fiat. I buy well, and sell money every day myself. I hear you. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, it's where, it's where when the world falls apart and you short the world, it's where you're going to, it's like taking all the, you know, riches out of Egypt when you leave. Well, like I say, I mean, I think that what we need to do is with at least my approach is this to teach the Torah of Yahweh. And that if we have an understanding of the Torah of Yahweh, we have a path and a method by which we can walk in righteousness and restructure and rebuild the society in that accord. 
and you know that as we start to rebuild and, re and reconstruct, we're going to run into the same problems that Moshe had. But, but go to Noah. Go to Noah. Help me understand why only one guy got out. Well, eight got out. Well, his, his, his tribe. Pure DNA. They had undefiled DNA. And if you look, you see he's in the direct line of Adam, right? He was the 10th in line from Adam. He had pure DNA. But the other DNA around him was not pure. The other DNA around him was not pure. It was mixed DNA. Nephilim, Eliud, Raphaim, giants of fallen watcher DNA, which had cross-pollinated across everybody at that point. And so this is why Noah was selected and why they weren't. And so and it's going to be a similar situation now that those who have the, the 144,000 count are those who are going to survive. Those who don't won't. So with that, Yaakov, I've got yes. to go on. i got to move on Thank because we're, we're, reaching, we're arriving at the close. Thanks, Yaakov. Mm -hmm. Okay. Catherine, did you have something else you wanted to add to our equation here today? Yeah, I just wanted to say <clears throat> something what Yah was showing me about the Torah and the New Testaments. The Torah is the foundation of the New Testament. And um, you know the scriptures about the church, well, the house built upon the rock and the house built upon the sand. Mm -hmm. The churches today are built upon the sand because they're kicking out the foundation. And the Torah is the foundation of the New Testament. And Yah was teaching me all, all this, but using that's, I don't know the right word, analogy. Parable, parable. Parable. And yeah. he was showing me through that parable is having the Torah is being built upon the rock. Not Amen. having the Torah is the house upon the sand or and the look, church upon the sand. And look, and look what happened to the church upon the sand, Catherine. How long it has the church down. lasted? How long has the church lasted when it once it abandoned the Torah? It's gone. Not very long. Now in comes I Islam to replace it. I think mm? in comes Sorry? Islam to replace it, right? Mm, mm, mm. Definitely. Definitely. Just like that. But that's what, yeah. That's what Yah was showing me this week. So I just thought I'd better quickly share it. Well, I appreciate you know, it. Well, thank you, yeah, Michelle. Okay. Okay. Well, with that, Bye. we're going to wrap her up. We're going to wrap up our Saturday Sabbath. Thank you guys for being with us today. I know some for you, it's it's getting late, but thank you for being with us. And I want to pray for everybody for just one second. Okay. So if you would. Okay. So Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we want to lift you up in prayer. We want to lift up this congregation in prayer, Father. We want to lift up your name over us, your wings upon us, your covering, your mercy, your provision. Father, we pray for all of those who are looking out into a world now, an unknowing world, in a world that has so many things coming at us now in a, in a very large hurry. But we know that your hand is with us, that you are guiding us, that you are our forward wind and our rear guard. You take care of your children. Father, may we be your children. May we find a way to walk in faith before you, that we can be your children and your people at this time, that we can say, Yahweh, my Elohai. And you will say, you are my children. 
Father, we praise you and bless you and say thank you for the Sabbath. Thank you for your gifts that you have bestowed upon us in bringing us into a family, bringing us into a fellowship, bringing us into such a time as this, that you have given us eyes to see and ears to hear. May your name be glorified in all of this. Amen and amen. 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 Okay, guys. Shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. See you, Shabbat shalom. Angela, see you, Kevin. Thanks for Shabbat shalom. 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 Shabbat sh